Hey everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 168. Hooray! 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 And we have a full house. Hooray! We do. We do indeed. Woohoo! Yes, Paul is back. Uh, Paul, I, you didn't die of... Uh, man oh. Uh, Listen to yeah. it. It, or it was very, it, yeah. very, very, very... Touch very and go. <laughs> yeah, it was very touch and go. Um, <laughs> while you guys were recording last week, I think I slept for some total of about 12 and a half hours. I've in one go. I don't think yeah, I've slept I, I, 12 and a half hours in the past week. I know. <laughs> I know, I haven't, I haven't slept that well since. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Kira and I talked for 12 and a half hours, and that was after we finished recording as well. I was like, I need to go to bed. That's where it always goes. I know, I know, we always end up. But um, anyway, it's time to record the show, so um, let's do what we always do and just chat through. We've got quite a lot to do. We've got um, a little bit of board games to talk about, but we'll talk about them after we've done the um, talk about video games like we normally do. So uh, let's get started. Paul, you've been playing a game you've already played before. You've been playing Skyrim Remastered. I have, I have. So I picked up. Uh, well, I'm saying I picked it up for Christmas. I received it <laughs> for Christmas. You told someone to buy uh, it. And then pretty it much, up. yeah. It, it was on my Amazon wish list. There we go. There's the truth. Uh, and I've actually thoroughly been enjoying it. So, actually, I got a couple of games for Christmas, and I'd fired uh, Dishonored, in, Dishonored 2 in first. But uh, I'm not a major fan of it, <laughs> to be honest. Right. Made the first couple of levels and I popped it out and I went, you know what, I'm going to fire Skyrim in. And fell back in love with Skyrim. I mean, the remaster, not that great. I mean, it looks a bit better. <laughs> kind of looks, like, looks like Skyrim. It was an alright looking game to start with. It was an alright looking game to start with. Apart from the animation. Yeah, so... Uh, they haven't fixed any of the bugs or any of that shit. <laughs> so I'll still there. Buggy as hell. Dodgy horse physics, the lot. But it's, I'm just really enjoying it again. Um, mod support is on PS4. I think it's probably on uh, Xbox One as well. Yeah, What well, limited mod support is available on PS4, I've been having fun playing around with. Um... So yeah, just basically playing the main quest again, not really doing too much side stuff, and got to the point where I was like, there's a mod for your shout being unlimited, so I'm running around first row dying my way through Skyrim, just consistently. <laughs> like, haven't even specced out anything else, just all on shouts, because the mod lets you just consistently, constantly use it, so... Yes, I'm I'm cheating my way through a replay of Skyrim. But fair enough. Why not? I think that's usually the best way to play those kind of games, like the Bethesda yeah. ones, especially the second time through. Like I always played those games on PC, and yeah. the second time I played through, I would never use lockpicks or anything like that, or ever interact with those mini games. You just open up the console, click on the thing, and type unlock. And that's it. Yeah, which is there's like a mod for you know having a good pile of money and there's a mod for you know having extended carry weights and such and mm-hmm. I've been playing around with those and just basically having fun with it 
while redoing the story rather than because I've, I've, I'd finished Skyrim the first time around and I'd, although I didn't finish all of the, the side quests I did finish the main quest and a good amount of side quests I think I had two I know it's nothing compared to most people I had like two, three hundred hours in the first playthrough of the game um, and I think I'm somewhere close to maybe a hundred on this playthrough already Right. Yeah, I kind of like Skyrim. I, I'm I'm gonna fling this out there. I'm enjoying the Skyrim remaster more than I enjoyed Fallout Four. I think that's probably very reasonable. I would say yeah. Skyrim is a better game than Fallout Four. Yeah. Yeah. And I so, don't really like you, <laughs> but I think yeah. I enjoyed Skyrim more. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying that. Um, I popped it out of the the history for a while because I'm playing something else but I'll talk about that more later on cool uh, so Kieran uh, you've been playing a game I got in the post earlier on and I said I was going to put it in and I didn't so you can tell me what your thoughts are on The Last Guardian because it seems like a game you'll appreciate more than I will I just uh, feel I have to <laughs> I actually do think that'll probably be the case as well. Um, I've not actually played much of The Last Guardian yet. I've had it sitting there for a couple of weeks now, but you know, it's one of those things that it's you know a light kind of puzzle game that's a lot. It's very slow, very you know focused on you and your giant bird, cat, dragon thing, thing, <laughs> dog, um, dog. Different. Yeah, it's like a mix between a dog and a cat and a bird and a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's fucking weird. The loading screens for that game have just like, you know, you know like the kind of, they don't really do it much anymore, but like kind of older uh, traditional kind of uh, books about animals and stuff like that would have the kind of sketchy drawings of the animals explaining like the names yeah, and stuff I, like that. I, I've put it in and, and loaded it up to the, the start screen. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen all the like the credits with the, the yeah. sketchy drawings and stuff, and they're really cool. So all the loading screens are that, but in particular ah. that first one is kind of the ones that go into that one, into the main animal. So it's like, oh, it's a cat and a dog yeah. and a bat, and there's something weird. There's like an armadillo in there or something as well. I was like, wait, what? Um, and then and it ends just like one of those. And it was on LSD. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and then they end with Trico, which is kind of funny that they've ended up actually just calling the monster Trico, given, you know, it's that was kind of the code name for this game because it was the third eco game. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the game itself plays very similar to, like, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, where you got that similar kind of, like, uh, slightly kind of floaty movement style. Um, yeah. And you're moving through these areas trying to solve puzzles using your giant monster friend. Um, who initially does not really listen to you at all. You'll just be shouting, like, get over here, and he'll just be like, nah, I'm alright. And you kind of have to start doing yeah, things that's like... the cat in him. Exactly. And then you have to do similar to what you would do with a cat, which you'd lure over with, you know, food or something like that. Some treats. Um, Definitely a cat. Yeah. But then, like a dog, you can actually kind of train it to some degree. So, um, 
as far as I've got so far, another very cat-like quality of it, there's like a very early area where you jump off a ledge and land in like a big pool of water and Trico just stands there and is like, no. Mm, no, I don't want to get wet. I'm not going for a bath. It's like, yep, that's a cat, all right. Cats <laughs> mostly do not like their water. Um, but yeah, you have to lure it in with food, which is kind of funny because it tries to... Does, the animations and stuff like that on the on Trico itself uh, are just great. Like, it all feels very natural and fluid. Um, so, for example, there's an animation when you throw food into the water for Trico to try and get it, where you just kind of will lean down and kind of try his hardest just to stand on the kind of ledge and get the food out and then just kind of dive down eventually and give up. Um, which is really cool. But yeah, most of the puzzles kind of involve, like, you know, trying to get Trico into the right position so you can climb on top of him and get to other areas and, you know, pull switches to open doors and things like that. Okay, right. I'm, I'm now assured that I'm going to play this game but not enjoy it that much. <laughs> um, but again, I'm only like a couple hours in, so I don't actually know. Enough. Not even a couple hours, actually. It's like an hour. So I'm not sure like, if stuff starts to ramp up a bit later. Maybe there's some combat or something. Um, I've not yeah. encountered any combat yet, but again, super early. Um, I did pick up a shield that reflects light, and you use it to kind of again, like a cat, uh, kind of guide your animal around, because he likes the light. Uh-huh. And also he Fair enough. Light, also he shoots light in and out his butt. So you point, nice. the light, you point the light at, the th- at places, and he'll shoot lightning at it, which is weird. I don't know. <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> also, the main kid in that game has to be fucking, like, either immortal, or this is like a Jacob's Ladder scenario, where he's been dead the whole time. Because he wakes up after there's like a little intro thing. He wakes up after being unconscious for a bit, covered in weird tattoos, next to this giant cat bird monster. Then twice during the tutorial, the cat bird monster knocks him out. And he's like, "Oh, you should just be dead. Like this is <laughs> you're at least heavily concussed. This is not going to go well for you." Um, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying it so far. I just need to play a lot more of it. Thing. Um, I always tend to enjoy those games. Like I enjoyed Eco. I never finished Eco, but I enjoyed Eco. Um, I really like Shadow of the Colossus. But yeah, yeah, I need to play more of this one. I yeah, I should probably play some of it. I got it in, and I will play some of it. I just yeah. I can be assured that I'm not going to like it because we know what type of games I like, and it's probably not that. Yeah, yeah, probably not. And you might. No, you surprise me. Sometimes. <laughs> Think of it. Just think of him as a giant Pokemon. You're just going on adventures with your giant Pokemon body solving puzzles. Yeah, you're trying I mean, to find it, a ball big enough. If it was a giant Pikachu, I'd maybe actually care more. <laughs> oh, he's part Pikachu. I mean, I did tell you, he shoots lightning in his butt. He's basically Pikachu. Ah, oh, that's true. He shoots lightning in his butt. That's, that's uh, Pikachu. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Mike... You've been continuing yes. to play a mobile game that we got into. Oh, Polytopia. Yes. Yeah. Or Battles yes. of Polytopia. The, the I of, yes. not played a lot of that, even though you made me download it. What the hell, Paul? Oh. You're just letting the side down here. How are you going to re-record the game of your podcast if you don't play the games we tell you to? <laughs> <laughs> but that's how we managed to record the game of your podcast, because I'm the only one that's balanced. <laughs> 
the, the work balance meet. <laughs> um, yes. So moving on. I, I yeah, I've been playing more of um, Polytopia. I decided that I wanted to play. You know, um, the game comes with four characters that are unlocked, and then there's another six that you can buy. So I wanted to play through all four of them, doing doing as best I can. I've got two stars on each of them on the mode that they call the perfection mode, so that's uh-huh. the timed 30 minute mode. Um, and I tried to play the unlimited, you know, wipe, wipe out people um, mode yeah. uh, twice, and I didn't do too well, and I don't know if it was, I just wasn't in the mood or anything, so I tried today, actually, um, I said, right, I'm going to try and play it, and um, yeah, I, I hunkered down and I got into like you know old civilization mode, and just basically sitting there and wait until you've got as many armies as as you need, and then you just sweep in and crush whoever's <laughs> in your way. It's just so um, serious, man. They just fucking yeah. destroy everything. Just wait yeah. until you've amassed like four of them, and then just destroy everyone. Yeah. Well, that's what I did. I had two of them go onto the the island where the one guy was left. I put two super units on it. And I had ships for the catapults just surrounding. <laughs> yeah, that was something I hadn't actually used until like my last game of it, where I realised because I'd never just went up that part of the upgrade tree, so I'd never got catapults. And the AI kind of oh, right. usually doesn't go for catapults, I find. Um, yeah. So I hadn't really seen them much, and so on a whim um. I got catapults, and I was like, oh, actually, these are fucking great because they one shot a lot of things, and you can just keep things away from you at all times. Yeah. Well, see the. I was so used to playing Civilization that when I seen in the tech tree, I seen mathematics, I knew exactly what it was. Yeah. I was right, that's it, because the the catapult was always one of my favourites to use, uh, particularly in Civilization Revolution. It was it was my go-to thing. Yeah, um, it was. <laughs> yeah, as Paul would know. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still playing it. I am probably... I'm debating which one of the, the six little characters to buy. Um, so have you bought I, any of them yet? No, I haven't no. actually, believe uh, it or not. So I should. Um, the really evil-looking ones are pretty good. Uh, is that the Vengia? It looks like they've got... Oh, yes, yeah. yeah I, it looks like they're gothic and everything. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yes, they, they live in in the unpleasant wasteland. Yeah, they come in on a Vengi bus... That's it, the Vengi bus is coming. Oh, God. Sorry, it was too easy. That's it, we'll see you again next week. That's a nice one. That's the end of the podcast. Forever. Forever. (laughs) Um, Yes, so, um, still playing quite a bit. I really like it, and I probably will buy it. Yeah, I think I'll buy the the wee guys with the spiky hats. probably have a go at them see how they get on uh, yeah but that's it there's not much else to talk about it it's just good fun you know especially when you're you're travelling it's, um, it's kind of mobile civilization. that's exactly so, what it is yeah like it's mobile super civilization, simplified but simplified so great. yeah because yeah. um, I've bought I bought the the mobile version of Civilization Revolution and I bought the because they they'd done a a different version of it on the Vita as well, and I bought that. I never yeah. bought and the it, Vita one. Oh, <laughs> don't buy it. No. No. It, 
unfortunately no it's just it doesn't do it so but yeah switch version play this instead yeah I I am really enjoying Polytopia it's it's a cool thing well considering you are Civ Red Civ Red's biggest fan that is high praise indeed yeah um but uh, yeah and moving swiftly on to something completely different um, and I've been curious about this one Kieran tell me more about Hatsune Miike Future Tone alright so there's been a lot of Hatsune Miike like rhythm games one seems to come out every like six months yes um, and they're all generally pretty great uh, they're just you know weird J-pop you know arcadey rhythm games uh, that are filled with tons and tons of J-pop, tons and tons of content usually, uh, and then lots of costumes to dress up all of the anime ladies in because that's how these games work. Um, Future Tone is a kind of best of collection of music from those games. So right. it, has, uh, it has it's weird, you can actually buy it uh, two different ways. So there's a free one, a free version of the game that comes with two songs, so you can just download that and play those, and that's called that is like the what Hatsune Miku Future Tone itself is. Right. Then there's two DLC packs that have the songs. There's um, oh, I've already forgotten the name of them. It's like Future Tone and Color something. Um, but one of them is a collection of the kind of most popular songs from previous Hatsune Miku. Project Diva games, like basically all the ones that came out on PlayStation the past few years. Right, yeah. Uh, which is, you know, they're the ones that we see pop up on PlayStation every, you know, at least once a year is yeah. the Project Diva series. Um, and then the other ones, as a selection of songs from another series by the same people, and it's part of the same series overall, I guess, called Project Mirai, which is an arcade thing that basically never came out anywhere outside Japan because. Right. Japan's the only place arcades exist. Um, and so you buy both these packs, and you end up with I think it's like two hundred and twenty songs overall. Oh gosh! Right. So it's like a shit ton of content for they're like twenty quid each. Um, so I picked them up because I've been meaning to pick one of those games up for a while. Um, like that last one, I heard really good things about, and so I was kind of it's been on my kind of watch list for a bit. Yeah, uh, same. Yeah, and then this one came out and it was like, oh, it's like that, but there's way more content. And I was like, well, okay, fine. Then this, that seems like an, a no-brainer for me. Um, I've played, about, I don't know, about six or seven songs in it so far. Right, okay. And I failed, like, two of them multiple times. But it's one of those games <laughs> that... I find that a lot of rhythm games end up that way, where the first time you play them, you're terrible at them. Even yeah. if they're relatively easy. Uh, which this... Hasini Miku has some difficulty spikes in it and stuff like that, and I've been playing on kind of the mid-range difficulty. Um, yeah, I did that as well for the demos, and I, I kind of found that you were okay for one song where you do really well, and then the other song you couldn't even get, you know, how you get bad and there's the level before yeah. bad. You yeah. couldn't even hit bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that happens. Um yeah, I found there's definitely been some songs where some songs I'll go in and I'll just play it and it's fine. I just do it. It works. And then some songs that kind of like the demo songs. I feel this this way about both of the songs that are in the free version of this game. But 
I would go in, play the song, and just bomb it the first time. Just complete right. fucking disaster. Then do it again, and actually be able to hit the stuff properly, because I kind of know the rhythm. Yeah. Um, and then there's some songs that the rhythm's just complete nonsense, because there's this weird J-pop-y thing, where they have a lot of songs that are kind of like... They're almost like they're from musicals. They're like... Although they're not actually, because it's, you know, this weird, not even real singer robot lady. Um, so it's like this weird kind of, you know, singing a story more than anything else. So the rhythm kind of isn't there, because it yeah. doesn't need to be super consistent, because it's not a song, kind of, but it is. Um, so the rhythm's kind of all over the place, and it's really hard to play. <laughs> but, yeah. And then all of them have, like, or not all of them, but a lot of them have like really cool unique art behind them so there's one that's called uh, I think it's just called Piano Girl and the whole video for it that plays in the background is Hitsune Miku dancing over a piano with a bunch of like cool artwork behind it and stuff like that and it's just really well done um, it's one of those things that it kind of reminds you that they've been making these games for a long time and they got very good at them at some point yeah um and in fact, one of the things I found the hardest in it to start with that can't, I needed my brain to kind of click was in the Hatsune Miku games, which we've talked about before as we've played demos and we've played older versions of the games and stuff. It's not like Rock Band or even like that Persona dancing game or whatever where you're always hitting, like the, the buttons that you're going to hit always show up at the same point on the screen. Uh-huh. Instead, in Hitsune Miku, they kind of just show up wherever. Like, they're in a pattern, so they will, you know, and they give you enough warning before they come flying on the screen where they're going to go and when you have to hit them. But the first time I played a couple of the songs in this game, I just lost track of where all of the buttons were flying in, like, where all the prompts were coming in, because the stuff that was going on on screen kind of overwhelmed it. Right. Um, but you get used to it pretty quickly. But the first couple of things you play, it's just like, oh god, what's going on? I can't see the yes. crosses flying across the screen in circles, and oh god, Hitsune Miku's dancing, and ah! Yeah, because sometimes you go, right, okay, well, where's the point where I have to actually push the fucking button? Because <laughs> yeah. it, it, it kind of moves, and it, yeah, it, yeah. it does take a while to kind of get used to how that game plays. Uh -huh. um, it's something uh -huh. that I really like that it does, and I wish actually more rhythm games would do is each each uh, song has a section that is uh, the challenge section, which is the one part of the, the song that you can't fail during. Uh, and it's just there to get bonus points, basically, so you can get a higher score. Yeah. But yeah. during that section, it plays, or it shows the prompts for the level above the difficulty level you're playing on. So, if you're playing normal, it'll show the hard prompts. Hard, it'll show the extreme prompts. I don't know what extreme does, because I'm not good enough to play any songs on extreme. <laughs> so, fuck knows. Maybe it just, like, just covers the entire screen in prompts or something. Um, but I think it's really cool, because it kind of starts to ease you into where you should be going next. Like, what yes. you should be getting yeah. good at to get better at the game, because there's a section of the game where it's like, don't worry, if you fail it, you fail it that's fine, because you're not going to lose the song because you failed this section. But also, if you're really good at it, maybe you should try a difficulty up, because that's that's what that was. Um, and also because the higher difficulties add in more mechanics, which kind of are a bit more interesting. So mm -hmm. on normal, most of it is just, 
you know, crosses and circles and uh, two arrows. So the main things are left and up arrows, and then circle and cross buttons are they kind of you know fly onto the screen to where the kind of prompt location is, which also has a little like clock on it, a little timer that goes down, so you kind of know when to press it. Like you never have to actually follow, you know, the the things flying yeah. across the screen. You can just look at where the the prompt is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's kind of all the that base one has. It has a couple of holds as well, so when the button hits it, you want to hold there instead of just tapping. Um, yeah. But then they add in a lot of it's just the usual stuff you would expect from you know rhythm games where like you're hitting two buttons at once instead of one that kind of thing. Um, yeah. That stuff's all added in like hard mode. They add in things like you want you push the analog stick to the right or left and hold it there depending on uh, you know prompts that come up saying to do that that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a, a cool thing, and I wish more rhythm games did that because like easing you into higher difficulties is something that games in general are not very good at they're kind of just no. like well you're playing on this that's, that's what you're playing um, yeah I, I think racing games are better at it than any of the other games and even then they're still not that great at it yeah yeah you know because um, I think it was it was Codebusters that first started the whole hey you're doing really well at this game yeah, how about you just out. yeah and but this is nice where it actually lets you have a go what that difficulty would be like. Mm-hmm. I quite like that. I think Nintendo goes too far in the opposite direction because they don't have difficulty levels usually. And so they'll just be like, oh, you're failing at this section a lot. Do you just want this thing that makes you invincible so you can go through it and not have to worry about it? And it's like, no, yeah. no that's too far in the opposite direction. <laughs> uh. No, no, it's not when you're really shit at games like me. <laughs> yes, that's, that's also... <laughs> That's also a thing. Um, Do you want uh, this thing that makes you invincible? Yes, God, because I'm really playing for the story. Yeah. <laughs> I love I do, I guess, from the beginning. The <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I, one thing I wanted to ask you is about the song list. Does it have Levin Poker on it? Yeah, it's the tutorial song. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, which I think it is in most of the Project Diva games. It definitely is in the last... I, yeah, in one. the last one it is, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a tutorial song. I'm pretty sure you can play it outside of the tutorial as well. But it's in the tutorial. All right. Be... All right. Um, well, I could go for that. I, I, am, I was really tempted to buy it, and then I'd seen... See, because I didn't do much uh, research into it, I'd just seen the two DLC packs, and I thought, oh, shit, that's, you know, a full-price game. Yeah. I wasn't 100% sure what it was. Um, but You also don't yeah, have I'm... to be stupid like me and buy all of them. Like, if you bought one of those packs, that's still like 100 odd songs. Like, that's a, that's a game. It's... Yeah, you're going to be at it for a while. Yeah, I'm not sure why I bought both. I didn't really think that through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it is. Uh, I definitely want to check it out. Yeah. Um, I think it's only on PS4 as well. I think it's exclusive. Yes. Yeah, and it's sense. not like, yeah, and it's not on the Vita as well. Yeah, which that's actually kind of the weird bit because usually these games come out on Vita. I did actually check there first because I do like playing rhythm games like that portably more than I like yeah. them on console. Um, yeah, same here. That's kind of why I, because I was hoping that at one point they would be cut, that the, you know, it would become cross by it at one point. Yeah, but never, it never did. No, so I, I, I might just keep an eye out for you know the the last game as well. Yeah, the last Project Diva game. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, um, Paul. Yes. Tell me about Watch Dogs 2. It's really good. I wanted to hate it because, you know, the last one wasn't great. But any, it's, it's, any, it's any, a, any point do you drive a spider tank? No, you do not drive a spider tank. Instantly worse than the first game. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Yep. No, you you drive actual cars and actual motorbikes. So you're not selling them. No, no spider no. tanks. I can do that in real life. Not legally because I have a license, but I can do that in real life. <laughs> you heard him, folks. Please call the police. <laughs> no, it's... It's a really fun game, and and you might find this surprising, Kieran, but um, in a game that lets you... So I'm, I'm not ruining anything by saying this. It's one of the first things you get. You can 3D print any weapon in the game, providing you have the cash to pay for it. That's pretty good. Um, it's really freaking cool when you go into the like hideout, hacker hideout, hacker space, it's called. The hacker space. That makes sense. Um, yeah, and uh, you can 3D print uh, little RC drones, little RC toy car rover things, um, weapons, pretty much anything. That's really fun. So I, at the original start of the game, I was like, you know, playing a, playing the game like I tend to do, which was, I'm just going to bust my way in with guns and shoot everyone and then hack the server that I'm supposed to hack <laughs> or the computer that I'm supposed to hack but I've found myself the game it levels it in such a way that that actually starts to become very very impossible okay so you have to play a bit more like stealthy yes so I'm at the stage in the point of the game now I've actually put a lot of time into it where I am spending a hell of a lot longer on missions, but at the same time, I'm moving around the outskirts of the mission um, and sending in my drone or my little remote control rover. So the drone you can use to scout the whole area, okay. and then the RC rover can actually hack stuff. Okay, like you so can hack things, hack things through it, so you, like... You pre-recce with a drone uh, and set up like the traps and stuff, like the, the explosive traps or the electric shock traps. Um, you could, you could do this in the first one though. Well, you didn't have a drone or an RC car, yeah. It, but yeah, you could set up the traps and stuff like that. Yeah, but um, in this, it's just it's a game I'm really enjoying playing stealthily. Purely from the fact that I can, you can go around the security cameras the way you used to be able to, but the drone's just a complete other level. Yeah. Because you can actually fly through hallways and stuff in buildings. Um, That's so pretty cool. And the RC car, you can do the same with. So, yeah, I'm finding myself basically doing entire levels driving this little RC car. Uh, it's called the jumper, so it can actually jump pretty high as well, so you can get in events and stuff with it, That's which is fairly cool. cool. Um, but yeah, it's just a it's a whole other. It feels like a completely different game from the first one. It's took what the first one done, and there's actually like a decent story to go with it to the point where I'm 
I've hardly played a single side mission because I'm really enjoying the story. The the version of San Francisco that they've created, I don't know how legitimate it is compared to real life San Francisco, having never been. But it's yeah, it feels really accurate. So you can go from San Francisco, you can jump on a, a bike or jump in a car and drive down the coast across the Golden Bridge into Oakland and then loop back round, come across another bridge and go into Silicon Valley. And there's a there's a whole mission of the game early on that actually makes you do that loop so you can see the scenery. And it, it looks... It's, you know, it's not the most kind of high-res beautiful game on the planet that you're going to write home about graphics wise uh-huh. but when you're doing that drive that scenery looks really really cool and it just I don't know why but it seemed, it feels so much more legitimised being in Silicon Valley San Francisco that kind of area for being a hacker game I, I, I just really thoroughly enjoy thoroughly enjoying it I'm, I, I'm singing its praises and I'm trying to find something bad to say about it and the only kind of bad thing I, I'm willing to say about it is it's got that kind of Mafia 3-ness about it so you're playing for the story but you're playing a lot of the same missions so it's like you know hack into this place um, and then you then need to figure out a, a puzzle within a, a set time to be able to hack the final computer system within the building or whatever but and I don't think I actually did it in the first one it's got um, other hacker groups that you know are working against you that you're working against uh, on online but as well as that there's key factors of that laced into the, the story where they're working with you know because Oakland's kind of notorious for biker gangs, there's a biker gang that you've messed up their stuff from hacking into C2S and they're after you. Um, I'm in currently in the middle of a set of missions where I'm facing off against a, a Mexican drug gang. As you do. Yeah, as you do. Yeah. And it's like... Okay, so it's not just the whole hacker thing and the anti-government and the anti-FBI police state thing. There's a lot more going on. Yeah, it sounds a bit more... Within um, the storyline. It's a lot more fleshed out. And and everything I've played so far is is main storyline. I haven't touched a single... um, I've not touched a single side quest. Is there side stuff that's kind of worth doing, though, even though you've been focused on that? Because that was another thing that I found with I the mean, first Watch Dogs, where I actually kind of liked the story modes and stuff, but then when you're in open world, there was those AR missions, which the spider tank was pretty cool, but the rest were kind of garbage. So the side quests I'm definitely not going to bother doing are the, the online operations where you're facing off against other people online. Uh, or does it still have like the kind of Dark Souls style like invasion thing where yes so other hackers can invade their yeah. their data I stuff really like liked that the first two times it happened to me and then I got really fed up with it very quickly because I was like I, I, I do this bothered. mission please stop showing up 
I haven't bothered with a single thing, but like, it's not got the Dark Souls thing, so it will say to you, hey, someone's trying to steal your data, but it makes no difference. If, if you don't go and, if you go and do it, you'll get bonuses. If you don't go and do it, it's not going to affect your game at all. That's quite good. Because in the first game, what happened was people would jump into your game to hack you, and they had to hide, and you had to go find them. Yeah, and yeah. You that couldn't. Isn't... You could leave the area, but it wouldn't disconnect them or anything like that. And you couldn't start missions while they were there, so you had to just sit and wait for this timer to go down if you didn't want to actually take part in it. And it was yeah, yeah. terrible. Um, yeah, the forced participation was not the best. It doesn't yeah. force the participation on you anymore. It yeah, doesn't do that. Good. Um, yeah, so if you want to take part in it... I don't think you can even turn it off to start. I think they patched no, it. No, no. I, I mean, I'm currently playing, um, and I've played it for maybe the last two or three days with my PS4 actually not connected to the internet. Oh, really? Is there not, like, a menu option for it? Um... There might to unplug it. No, I, uh, I'm not even. I've not even done it for that reason. Just my internet's been playing up, so I, I disconnected oh, the PS4. Um, I tend to do that when my internet's being really terrible, and I'm trying to talk to people on Skype and stuff. Yes. Uh, so yeah, some of the side missions is there's a an electric go kart racing game, mini game. If you want to do it, there's. There's a um, there's a racing one the other. game in this open world game. That's never I've never um, heard this before. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah you're talking groundbreaking. Me. Groundbreaking. <laughs> um, there's a there's a bunch of stuff where you hack into a, a company called Home, um, who are you know a technology creator that are meant to be like you know Amazon, Google, that kind of vein of things. Mm-hmm. Um. And I've not done any of that stuff yet. There's a tiny little bit of main main story stuff with them, and then there's a site, you know, a branch of side quests that came off of that that I've not even bothered touching. The only sides they're called side operations that I've done is um, one of the other hackers in the game is a graffiti artist, so she teaches you how to do dead sick graffiti. All right. you can go around the city like completely retagging billboards and stuff. Alright. On them. Right. Uh, which is pretty cool. And then you get right. some rollerblades. No? Sure. No. Yeah, if you, you get some rollerblades and the police start chasing after you and then you start grinding on the rails doing graffiti. No? But Listening to some weird radio stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there's just loads of little kind of things like that that I haven't bothered doing and there's probably a bunch more that I haven't unlocked because I've not been bothered doing any of it and I might go back and and do it just to stay within the, the world once I've finished the main quest line but I reckon I'm somewhere like 20, 22-ish hours into the game and I might be coming to the end of the main quest line but it doesn't feel like it's going to happen anytime soon Right. So there's a lot there's a lot of content there and I can't really say anything bad about it other than within the main quest line you it's you know, the same thing as Mafia Three. It's rinse repeat. Right. Within the kinda once you're once you've gotten in and you're hacking whatever you're hacking, 
it's the same kind of mini games to complete the hack. Yeah. It's like you have this puzzle to complete within this time limit before the server kicks you out and you need to start again. Hmm. Which can become fairly annoying. Yeah. But you, also, you also get pretty good at it. So it becomes less and less of a challenge. Yeah. No matter how hard they make it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, at the, at the point I'm at now, the puzzles are really hard, so what I'll do is I'll maybe, the first time round, before it boots me out, I'll make sure I've went round all of the nodes to know which way to, like, change those in order to, like, link up the, the kind of puzzle you're trying to do. Uh-huh. Um, and then the second time round, once you've kind of figured it out, you can just run round them really quickly and complete it. That's the way I'm doing it. And that's my only criticism, is it's very samey. Mm-hmm. I think most open world games definitely suffer from that to some degree. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, Mafia 3 is definitely one of the most egregious ones recently. Yes. Um, this it suffers a little bit from that. But the main story, in my opinion, is good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, with significant kind of stuff you don't expect to happen happening. Um, because there's not just so you play as one hacker, but there's 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 a group of hackers this time. You're not playing with you know kind of faceless people that only talk to you through the radio and stuff. Um, there's a, a significant kind of core group of dead set hackers within the Bay Area that you go on missions with, and they're you know either running interference or they're doing something else while you're hacking in. There's an actual like cast of characters this time. It's not just there's a, there's hey, a cast Aiden Pierce, I guess I'm a character almost look at my hand. No, no, there, there's a cast of characters and they're very well voice acted and they all have their own kind of unique little things that's going on with them. So you play as a you, you play as a, a coloured guy and uh, there there's another black guy within the team. So you have a kind of relationship with him where it's you know, you've kind of got that black thing going on, like, bros, <laughs> get a deal, like... Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've got that kind of relationship going on, and they're both talking about, uh, you know, the latest hip-hop mixtape and stuff like that, so it's kind of cliche in that way. You've then yeah, got... Yeah, only black people talk about hip-hop. Yeah, exactly. They've kind of cliched it in that way. Do you find not... that's not necessarily just... Uh... You know, stereotypical black person thing is also the stereotypical San Francisco thing. Yeah, yeah. It is. So you've got, you've then got your kind of stereotypical San Francisco tech nerd that likes building stuff, and he's also super into like all the movies that your character's into. So you've like, whenever you're speaking to him, you talk in movie quotes, oh God. which is really oh. fun. You're unselling me on this game. Um, <laughs> and then there's the uh, the like later on you meet another guy and he's like the the older kind of hippie stoner dude who gets you high out your mind on mushrooms that he's laced with LSD. Wait, he's laced mushrooms with something else. Yeah, he's like he, he laced mushrooms with LSD and gets you like 
significantly high as hell on them and then ask you to complete the hacking puzzle. Which is mental because everything's all trippy and the screen goes weird. And then they've got like the uh, socially anxious kid that stays at his computer all the time and is really good at hacking because he's got autism. Right. Um, And it's just got this kind of everyone that you're in contact with has their own little quirks and little personality and you, you weirdly become attached to them. Right. I mean, that's actually, already better than the last game because there were no characters in that no, game. No, so they've actually got a cast of characters that you're attached to and you care about and little things will come up and they'll ask you to do side quests for them and I've actually done those because it's like, hey, could you do me this favour? I'm trying to do this thing and it might be as simple as like running to a technology shop and picking something up for them. Mm-hmm. Like the the guy that... Open World move. Quest, yeah. Yeah, Open World Quest. I've played Open World Game 4. Yeah, so... <laughs> but you're kind of... In most Open World Games, I don't give a crap about doing them. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I kind of tune out for most of them. I, I'm weirdly attached to this cast of characters, so I'm like, I'm going to go and do that for him, because he's cool. Kind of thing. Um, as little, as weird as that is for me to say. So, yeah, it's it's just so much better than the first game. Did you finish Which, that first game? No. Okay, Mike, did you finish that first game? Uh, no, I did play quite a bit of it. Um, I did the review for that, and um, no, I just I couldn't bring myself to it because it was. You know, it had this wonderful world that it set up, but it just didn't go anywhere or do anything with it. Yeah, I think I enjoyed the first one the most out of us, given, well, Stars, I was the one that finished it. But, um, I I liked, I I want to play the second one partly because of what, mainly actually because of what you say about the, the stealth stuff. Because that was the bit that I thought the first game did the best, which was, that was a stealth game, an open world stealth game. Uh, before that was a big thing. Now every game is apparently an open world stealth game. Until yeah, four yes. had open world stealth sections for some fucking reason. Like everything is that now. So, but before it became super popular to make you know big open stealth games, they did it, and they didn't nail it, but they had some really good ideas with it. So. This does it really freaking well. I think I need to try it. Tell me, at any point, do you turn off someone's pacemaker by hacking it? Um, I haven't done that yet. I, I have hacked a lot of security guards' phones so know. that they explode. But it's only certain <laughs> brands of phones that explode. I can't remember if it's you can do that It's only certain brands of phones phone. that explode. Little nod to exploding Samsungs, I think. It's only Note 7s. Yeah, it's yeah. only Note 7s you can explode. Um, I've... <laughs> And sometimes you don't even need to do it. <laughs> sometimes it just happens. Um, and then I'm weirdly having a crap load of fun just driving around on motorbikes. Yeah, that's what was one of my favorite things to do in those open world games is motorbikes. Um, if you don't nail the motorbikes, then who cares? Well, this, this, because it's got the, the biker gangs and stuff in it and... It's got like the the hilly sections of California in it. You can 
you know, roam from dirt bikes to souped up sports bikes to um, cruisers and every type of bike you can imagine, which I've hardly driven a car in this game. And there's a lot of driving to do. Um, in fact, I only discovered you could quick travel yesterday and I've been playing the game for about two weeks. Fair enough. That happens. Because I just didn't care to try and figure out if there was a fast travel because I was yeah. enjoying driving around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Thoroughly enjoying it. If I've sung enough praises of it and you think you might enjoy it, really go play it. Don't let the last game put you off. Yeah. There's a demo in it as well. Is there? Oh, yeah, it came out last week, which is bizarre. Yeah. Like, releasing a demo for a game that came out months ago is weird, but hey, there's a demo. Fair yeah. Enough. Cool. Uh, so, Mike, you have been playing more Forza, mm. Forza Horizon 3. I have, yes. Uh, you I have am... a problem. No, it's not like I'm playing it right now as I'm Mike, talking Mike, to you. Mike. Yes. This is an intervention. I've not been recording no. any of this. This is just, <laughs> this is just for your benefit. We just think that, you know, maybe it's time to seek some help. I don't need help. I can win most of the races myself. I can quit Forza <laughs> whenever I want. Yeah, damn it. Um, so, yes, I have. I'm still playing it. Uh, I am currently, so I think the last time we spoke, I just finished the the King of the Mountain part of the the DLC, the Blizzard Mountain DLC, yeah, and cool. discovered that it opened up. It took all of the races that I was in and has now lumped them together in championships. So there's championships all over the, the mountain now for me to take, take part in. And I'm just working through those now um, the game is absolutely fantastic still playing a hell of a lot of it um, I do think however that I might need to have an intervention to stop playing the Blizzard Mountain one because I think once I'm done with that I might. I don't know how I'm going to feel about going back to you know sand and beaches and stuff yeah, uh, yeah. Um, wait till next year I'll see that yes yeah because I bought the, the season pass as well so um I'm I'm looking forward to you know what the the next two pieces of content are going to be as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, have they said that it's going to be like as sizable as that I, Blizzard one? Or I haven't. Yeah, I'm sure not too sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I keep meaning to look, but no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, highly recommend picking up that that DLC to anyone that has the game. Um, Kieran, how much have you played of the, the main game? Are you? I don't think you've played as much as I had. Oh, nowhere near as much as you've had. I've played some. I don't know. I, I can't remember. I haven't actually played it in the last like couple of weeks. Um, right. But yeah, I'm not super far in it. I'm enjoying it a lot. I just, I just haven't played it a lot. Yeah. Um, fair enough. I buy like every game that comes out now, which means I don't play any of them. Especially the ones I want to play. You're the one that needs the frickin' intervention. Yeah. So you kind of do what you do with... You do with video games what I do with board games. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. But I have less an excuse. Like, when you buy lots of board games and don't play them, you have at least the excuse of, oh, well, you know, 
I need to have a group over so I can play stuff, you know, it's going to yeah. need, you know, people over, so whatever. <laughs> There's only, like, you know, once every couple of weeks that you can do that. Whereas I'm just like, oh, man, I bought this single-player game. It's, like, 100 hours long. Oh, I played for five <laughs> minutes and then turned it off. Great. It was really good, though. Uh, it was really good, though, but... I should really finish Final Fantasy Fifteen. You so, should. But also, but on the other hand, people said that the end of that game's real bad and I should wait till it gets updated so I don't know I don't know yeah so I'm listen I can't really complain as well because I bought Final Fantasy 15 and I also bought uh, World of Final Fantasy and I've done bugger all with them <laughs> so which is fair enough <laughs> they're both yeah. very good games you should play them both but um, yes uh, speaking of playing games that uh, on and not finishing them. Uh, Paul, you didn't get on too well with Dishonored 2, did you not? No, I didn't, which is, as I said, I put Skyrim Remastered in instead of it. Um, <laughs> I really don't particularly like Dishonored 2, and I, I can't pinpoint what it is about it that I don't like. You like that first one. I love Dishonored 1, and I just, I really can't put my finger on why I dislike Dishonored 2 so much. Um, I chose to play as Elizabeth, Corvo's daughter. Yeah, I don't see why you, anyone would choose Corvo. Um, yeah, well, yeah, Corvo's when you're given the option of a new character, you tend to choose the new character. Yeah, right. Corvo wasn't exactly the most memorable character in the world. You're like, oh yeah, he had that cool clockwork mask, that's pretty good, I guess. Yeah, um, the game's alright, it's more Dishonored, uh, I, I'm hoping to go back to it, I guess. I just, see when, well, first of all they announced it and you went, right, okay, well surely they're going to do something with this, and we never really got that many details, and the more, the closer and closer it got to the game coming out, that's what it was, it was oh, it's just more of this other game. Yeah, it's it's more Dishonored. Um, and you've got a couple of new skills and a couple of new things, and the storyline's all right, I guess. The voice Maybe. acting seems completely terrible. The voice acting's shite. <laughs> it seems like some of the to worst voice acting I've heard the voice acting's awful. Yeah, like a game of that budget, I know, so we don't know the exact budget, but you know, like a game that seems like a relatively high-budget game, I can't think of the yeah. last time I heard voice acting that bad and something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I think it's even got like decent voice actors in it. It's just really bad performances across the board. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not great. <laughs> it's just not. I, I wish I could tell you that it's, you know, really good. But it's not. I wish you could tell me that as well, because I really like that first one. I love the first game, and I, I just... I, as I'm saying, I cannot pinpoint what it is that's not drawing me into the second one as much as the first one did. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I'm using bling, I'm jumping around, I'm doing all the stuff I love from the first game. It's just not clicking. No, it's just, you, I'm playing through it, I'm going, it's giving me nothing. I feel like you're, Absolutely yeah. nothing. I feel like your experience with the Sword 2 is the exact same experience I had with uh, Deus Ex the one that came out last year. I forget which one that is. Mankind yeah. Revolution Divided. Uh, yeah, War Mankind II. Revolution Divided of War 6. <laughs> That's the one, right? <laughs> um, I 
loved that last DSS game. I loved the first DSS game. I never played Future War, but I hear it was terrible. Um, but or sorry, Invisible Wars. Um, yeah, yeah. But this new one came out, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's a lot like it's basically just the last game, but you know, slightly newer, new coat of polish." And I was like, "That sounds great. I'm up for that. I like Deus Ex." And I started yeah. playing it, and I, and I never went back to it. Like I, I didn't buy it actually. I borrowed someone's copy. I should probably play that and give that back to him now that I think about it. Um, yeah, it might be worth doing. He's sitting there with his copy of Yakuza Three that he gave me three years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> someday I'll play these games. In my defence, he has my you're copy right, of uh, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. So that outrates both those games to me. Yeah, yeah. But totally. Yeah, I, I can relate with the Dishonored 2 thing. Which is a shame. Yes. I want that game stuff. I mean, play it, just don't pay too much money for it. Yeah. I've been kind of waiting for them to fix the PC version, because the PC version launched and was completely broken. So. Fair enough. Um, I mean, it might be actually fun on PC with, you know, yeah. chuck some mods and stuff in there. But no, I, I couldn't play that first Dishonored on consoles. I tried to because we got its PlayStation Plus at one point. Um, yeah. But I'd already played it on PC and just like all the blink powers and stuff like that. You can do it on a controller, but I, I couldn't get it. Like, I couldn't get it as quickly as I could on PC. On PC, you just end up teleporting around constantly. See, and I think it it might be a difficulty issue with me on on the PS4. I'm just I'm not feeling it at all. Yeah, it happens. I wish I was. I really do. I want to like the game. But yeah. But no. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to stop wabbiting on about how much I dislike that game, and I'm going to let you talk about Super Dungeon Bros, Mike. Cool. Uh, so, Super Dungeon Bros is, uh, it was the games, one of the games for gold games this month in January. Um, it is, it's a, a multiplayer game. It, it's like an updated version of, Jesus, take a pick, Castle Crashers, um, I was really hoping there was the, a game the, called Jesus Take Your Pegs. Yeah, so was I. Yeah, yeah. This is pretty good. It's like, is this some weird obscure game that, like, you know, you only played in South <laughs> Africa or something like that? It's like some weird. Um, <laughs> was never but, yeah, released here. Um, it, it's one of those, you know, there's there's four of you and you're you're going through dungeons. So uh, that alien one that we played. Um, alien or, uh, no. Oh, oh, like, uh, uh, I was playing this like the other day. The sequel to the zombie one. Yes, the sequel to the zombie one. The, um, I'm blanking on both of their names now. I, it's dead. It's called The Secret to the Zombie oh, One. Yeah, Alienation. Alienation. Jesus Christ. I love those games. Or at least I love Alienation. Um, so, it, it's that kind of idea, yeah. you know, it's. It, but this one is set in a fantasy, fantasy universe and you are going through dungeons. Um, it is more cartoony. Uh, it's, it's quite weird because you're all dressed as these little knights and the story is 
one of you comes in with a record from the record store, a bit of vinyl. Uh-huh. Okay, so it's all hipster as fuck, this thing. Okay. Um, and he comes back with a little uh, a vinyl and he plays. he's playing this bad rock and nobody likes it and they make him stop it and he puts his finger on the vinyl to stop it and turns it the wrong way round to stop it. And there's a secret message and it's a wizard and telling them that they need to journey back into uh, another time and, you know, save the world. And they get sucked back and... I'm still trying to figure out why they're dressed in armour before they even know they're doing this. You know, is it some weird fetish? That's just the style. style hips, isn't it? Yeah, oh, you're right, yeah, the dressing suits of armour. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the most vintage you can get. It's medieval armour. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Um, and yeah, those old, uh, those old hats from the West Country weren't cutting it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it then becomes uh, this dungeon crawl and you can play it yourself or with up to four people and it's weird it uses the the you know the twin sticks but you don't need the the right stick at all to aim because oh, it's bizarre the left stick does it all fine you know and it does it accurately as well like you don't you do not need the right stick it's quite bizarre uh I only played the first dungeon and I went, well, okay, I can see what it is. It's meant to be a little bit funny and, yeah, fair enough. And it looks very pretty and, um, you know, it's got good production values. But at the end of the day, I've got better games that I have paid for that I could probably play with, you know, with everyone. Yeah. Rather than this. Um, And also the fact that it's on Xbox One is... Well, there's only other one, one other person I know that has an Xbox One, and you know, the, the, yeah, that's you we don't one. exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, <laughs> but we don't really play, you know, multiplayer stuff on the Xbox One. I don't know if I've even got Xbox Live Gold. I did at one point. I can't remember why right. I actually did. I think I had the intention of playing Forza Horizon online, then never did. Right, yeah, that's that's what I did, and then I ended up with um, I just ended uh, oh uh, because the games were coming out and they were getting you know not too bad. I've just kind of kept it, and there was a deal for paying for it for a year in advance. So, so I think I did that as well. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, so. I think it might be a bit of a pass on Super Dungeon Bros. I I know you shouldn't really judge a game, you know, by ten minutes on the kind of first level, but nah. Yeah. Uh, if it's nah, not grabby, it doesn't grab you. Yeah. And there's so but, many other games doing the same thing. Yes. What was that one that we all played um, on PC? Uh, Hammer. Oh something. yeah, I remember Hammer that. Hammer Watch. Hammer Watch. Yeah. Which was really good. We should play Hammer Watch again. I really fucking liked Hammer Watch. <laughs> Hammer Watch was good, yeah. I have a beefy new PC. I should run some fucking Hammer Watch on it. <laughs> beefy new PC. I should run a basically pixel game on it. I bought a Steam Link at one point over Christmas because, I don't know, money, who needs it? Um, so, right. yeah, I could play Hammer Watch on my TV. <laughs> clearly, oh. not, clearly no money. 
Yeah, yeah, Steam Link is essentially that. Is that the controller, and it's essentially Google Chromecast. Is yeah, the same as Chromecast? I didn't. I didn't get the one with the controller, so it was only like fifteen pounds. But yeah, it's basically Chromecast, but for Steam. So it'll mirror right. your games, and you can connect the controller to it and play it. I have used it to play a bit of Ori in the Blind Forest. All right. Okay. And so do you? <laughs> do you still need your PC? It just. Yeah, it just mirrors it. Like, if you actually, if you look at your PC, like, it'll still be running on that monitor there as well. It's just copying right, okay. over. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's probably more useful for people that don't live in a flat like I do, where the PC is literally the other side of the room from the TV. Yeah, because yeah, really no yeah. point in you possessing it. Oh, no, I could, I could run a long HDMI cable along, and it would be a much better experience. And I was yeah, it relatively, it probably would cost about the same amount of money. Yeah, I was going to say, and I it would probably be a heck of a lot. HDMI. Yeah. Heck of a lot less latency. Yeah. But on the other hand, Steam looks pretty cool. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so it won't be playing much more of that, I'm afraid. Uh, Kieran, tell us about a, your last game you have on your list. Announce it. Do it. Yeah, Mark of the Wolves. Garo, Mark of the Wolves. Garo, Mark of the Wolves is an arcade fighting game from. Oh fuck, that was a long time ago. It's a Neo Geo game, uh, a SNK fighting game. Before I don't know, I don't know if it was actually before King of Fighters, but a lot of the characters were in King of Fighters. It's from right. 1999, and part of the Fatal Fury series. Oh right, okay. So it has, you know. Terry Bogard in it and all your favorite <laughs> characters Terry Bog- this is late gen like late life Terry Bogard so it's after the hat where he has the big leather jacket instead of the red one which I don't know how I feel about that I really like yeah. the hat the hat's pretty good um, but yeah this came out like they've been releasing Neo Geo games on uh, PS4 for a little bit now it's like these single emulation ones um, with online multiplayer added to them and I played through uh, one of the Metal Slug games. I think it was Metal Slug 3 uh, on one of them a while ago. And it was a really good experience. worked really well. Um, so I picked up Mark of the Bulls because it is one of those fighting games that people tend to you know, kind of talk about in reverence. Like it's widely considered kind of one of the, the better fighting games. Like one of the best ones ever made. That kind of stuff. When uh-huh. people are talking about best fighting games it tends to be that and like Street Fighter 2 and stuff like that that come up um, and I hadn't really played much of it before I think I played a little bit of it before I definitely played some of the older King of Fighters before at least and I picked up with a friend and we played it online and it runs really well it has like surprisingly good netcode like we didn't have any lag issues or anything like that Um which is kind of impressive for this like old arcade game. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's weird. I never really played many of like the SNK fighting games, but in a lot of ways it feels like simpler than Street Fighter, but there's a lot more skill involved with it. So uh-huh. I'm terrible at it, as you can expect, because I'm terrible at all fighting games, really. Um, but it's just really fun to play. Like You do these cool, flashy moves relatively easily. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, 
it was kind of fun actually because we played. I, we talked. I mentioned last week about um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yes. So I played some of that online with the same person right after we played Mark of the Wolves, mm-hmm. and the net code in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is terrible. Like that game runs in slow motion when you're playing online. It's just it's unplayable, <laughs> which is kind of like kind of funny coming off of this really well playing old arcade game that they got running super well. I mean, it's different developer right. stuff, obviously, but it's just yeah. kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to bring up because I, I really like that game. It's a really good fighting game. It's one of the best, some might say. Cool. Yeah. Garo, Mark of the Wolves. Damn good game. Fair enough. Yeah. Good. So, news? No. No, no. We have no news. We have more games. <laughs> there's there's yeah. more games. There, listen, there is always more games. Oh, it's, it's those board gamey things it's you guys play. That's what they say. There's <laughs> a, always a man, a lighthouse, and a board game. It's those yeah. board gamey things that you guys play. That's what it is. <laughs> I never did play oh. that Bioshock board game. Oh, oh. did you not? No. Oh no, you always wanted to. We just never got around. Yeah, because oh, it was man. one of those games that was like big and we never. Did bought. I ever play that, or did I just get to play with the pieces and not actually play the game? I think you did play it. No, no, Paul no. got to play with the pieces. Um. Because Paul never was, got to play the game. Yeah, Paul. Paul was meant to learn it. Opened it up, played with all the pieces. Oh, I remember and, this. And thought, "Fuck that! I'm not going anywhere near that." That's and that's it. Yeah, I've read online and stuff like that. And what I remember you mentioned about it, that's probably a pretty fair opinion to have. Though. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a game. Uh, yeah, but it's it's not very well designed and everything. And um, but hey, if we didn't have Bioshock, um, Isaac Vega wouldn't have been able to cut his teeth on it, and we wouldn't have Dead of Winter and Ashes: Rise of the Phoenix Bomb. So that's fair enough. Yep. Fair what board games have we been playing though? Uh, we have been playing um, two different ones. Um, I am curious to hear about the one that you've been playing. I'm also curious to see how you pronounce it, because if you are... Um, American cousins seem to think it's pronounced Oniram. Yeah, which is how the developer of the board game pronounces it. Ah, right, so, okay. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. 100% sure. Um, yeah, I was yeah. watching... Um, uh, oh, God, I'm like I him. Uh, Tom Chick, who's uh, Tom Chick, something Chick, Tom Chick. He's a, a journalist. Did a bunch of board game stuff. Uh, did a bunch of video game stuff for a long time as well. Um, but he interviewed the guys that made it. So he he was doing a kind of playthrough of it. He's like, this is how the the people that made it said to pronounce it. So this is how I right. pronounce it. So yeah, Oniram. Uh-huh. Um. Well, now I'm really cool, so I think we mentioned a bit last week that uh, both of us, really, were trying to get into a bit more solitaire board games, yes. because we you know, wanted to play more board Which, games. And watching your conversations about that and seeing what you thought of the games is really interesting to me, because I get to the table a lot less than you guys with groups, so the idea of solitaire games to me is a lot more appealing. Um, so yeah. this... This does interest me. 
Yeah, well, this thing is, I've never been super into solitaire games before. Like, I got into board games because I like playing games with people. With people, yeah. You know, like, the conversation stuff like that's a big part of it. But I've just been enjoying board games in general recently, so I talked last week about uh, Scythe uh, Automa, which I did really enjoy, and I thought, right, I'll go and buy something else, something a bit smaller, a bit easier to just play whenever. And Oniram was kind of the thing that was recommended a lot. It was kind of the one that the internet and all of its kind of hive mind glory was yeah. um, saying you should probably play Oniram. So I picked up, um, I had to go to eBay for it, like nowhere has copies of this in stock. Um, yes. Yeah. So I went to eBay and picked up the second edition version of it, which again is the version that everyone recommends because it comes with seven expansions, um, which I've not actually played with the expansions yet, but the, I've read the rules for them and they seem really cool. So right. the the game is super simple. Basically, you have this kind of deck of cards that is split into rooms. So you have uh, I forget the exact actual like thematic names for them, but you have uh, red ones, blue ones, beige ones, and green ones. Right. And each of these rooms has one of three symbols on them. There's a sun, a moon, and a key. And the goal of the game is that you want to unlock two doors related to each of these colours. So, again, there's two doors of each of these colours, also shuffled into the deck with these. And the way you unlock the doors is either if you have a key card in your hand, when you draw a door from the deck, you can discard that key card to unlock the door. Or, the other way is, every turn, you have to either play a card or discard a card. And when you play a card, you can play them however you, you can put them down however you want, but the only rule is that, or the main rule is that you're lining them up from left to right, and the card that you put down can't be the same symbol as the one before it. So you can't put a a sun one turn and then put down another sun afterwards. And then every time that you manage to play three of the same colour in a row without any, or without instantly matching symbols. So you could play a sun, a moon, then another sun if you wanted. Uh Once you match three in a row you go through the deck, find the door for that colour and you play it, and that's that, and you shuffle deck all up again. And that's kind of right. the gist of the game. Like, that is the basics of it. And then it kind of becomes a bit harder because they introduce these nightmare cards. Every time you draw a nightmare card, you have to either discard a key card to uh, get rid of it. And again, key cards can also just be played the same way as the Sun and Moon cards. Like you can use them just to kind of chain together to try and unlock more doors. Uh-huh. Or... Uh, if you don't have any key cards in your hand, you can choose to do one of two things. Either you can shuffle one of the door cards back that you've already unlocked back into the deck, or you can discard the next five cards from the top of the deck. Um, with the exception of if you draw another Nightmare card, or if you draw another uh, door card, those get shuffled back into the deck instead of getting discarded. Right. And it's super simple. Like That is basically just all the rules. And the whole game is just basically hand management and is trying to be very careful about what you're about how you're uh, using the cards in your hand because if you think okay well I've played two blue cards but I don't have any more blue cards in my hand just now I might draw a blue card so I'll discard this red one just now because I don't need it because I'm going to wait for a blue one to try and end this chain 
Now you don't draw a blue uh-huh. one. And you're like, I'll discard this other red one. I'll keep discarding this other red one. Now all of a sudden you're out of red cards and you can't unlock any red doors. So is this weird kind of balance you've got to play of discarding cards to, you know, make sure that you don't waste the cards you've already played? Uh-huh. But also uh, making sure that you don't discard too many of the same kind of card because they don't ever go back into the deck. Once they're discarded, they're out. So, right. if you dis- like, if you discard all of the or enough of the base cards and then waste some of the base cards for whatever reason, either like you get a nightmare thing and it says discard the next five and two of them are beige, then you might just end up with not enough cards to get the doors. In which case, you know, you've lost the game. Uh huh. Um, and all of this plays in like I don't know, ten minutes, maybe a little bit less. Really? Like it's I- a super short game. Super simple, super short. Um, a lot of thought to it, but you never end up. At least I haven't ended up with that kind of like analysis paralysis at all. You're just kind right. of like, okay, okay, like there's two or three things I can do here. This one seems like the most obvious one. I'll do that, and you kind of get through it pretty quickly, and it's it's really cool. And I've got about a kind of fifty percent win ratio, and even the times I've won, it's kind of come down to the wire. It's kind of been like, oh, I have. You know, I've played two red cards. I need one more to unlock a red door. I don't have any red cards in my hand, and there's like three cards left in the deck. I can't remember how many of those, like from card, you're like sitting trying card count in your head basically, and be like, I think <laughs> one of those is red. One of them might be a nightmare though, and, wh- and I don't have anything to get rid- so I'd need to discard. If I draw the nightmares, could discard the red card, and I'll lose. And it's just like it just comes down to the wire every time, and yeah, uh-huh. I'm, I'm really loving it. Um, and again, there's seven expansions with it, which add a bunch of stuff. Uh, some of them add like different doors. Uh, one of them that seems kind of cool adds uh, a kind of like mini deck of doors that you shuffle before you start playing. Right. And then you play them out as they shuffle as they're shuffled, and then mm-hmm. the order that they come out in is the order that you have to unlock the colors of doors. So it'll be like green, blue, red, whatever, and it'll be like, okay, so I need to unlock green door first or else it doesn't count. So that seems like it could make the game incredibly difficult, so I'm going to probably try that at some point. Um, but yeah, on Iron I'm super enjoying it. It's also got like really nice artwork. It's all very um, kind of sketchy, kind of uh, dreamlike kind of stuff. Um, it kind of reminds me of that weird game, oh, I forget what it was called, the one that I backed on Kickstarter that was about fighting uh, fighting nightmares. Um, Nightlight. I really hated the game, oh, but the artwork yeah, was really yeah. good. So it reminds me of the artwork from that, and it's, it's just really nice. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend it for anyone that's looking for a good, simple little uh, single-player card game. Um, and it's part of a series of games called like the um, the Oniverse, which I I think most of those games are meant to be pretty good. So, yes, yeah. yeah. So there's um, I think the second one is called Sylveon, and the third one is Castilion. Yeah, I think both of those are kind of tower defensey things. Um, like Sylveon is you're defending a forest from fire, I think. Yeah. And yeah. Castellion is you're defending a castle, I believe. Uh, yes, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was, uh, you know, after we'd, we'd spoken after you'd bought uh, on Irem and were saying that it was difficult to come by and uh, when I went to go and get a copy, couldn't find it and I found a a copy going for an auction on eBay, so I'm bidding on that, so we'll see oh. how we get on with that. Yeah. What's that? Cause I ended up getting my copy for... I forget, it's like twenty seven pounds or something like that. Yes. Did you look yes. at the exact same thing? Yes. Uh this one is currently sitting at sixteen. Yeah. Uh but it's got four days to go. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we'll we'll see how we get on with that. But um yeah, it is uh it's one of the, the single player games that I you know it, it, it's like you said the hive mind has said that it is one that you should be looking at mm-hmm. definitely um, the other one there is another one that the the hive mind has been talking about um, and we were we were talking about this as well at one point was um, the new living card game from Fancy, uh, Fancy Flight Games um, set in the the Call of Cthulhu mythos um, yeah. Arkham Horror the card game yeah, so, yeah, where I kind of saw stuff about this and was like, that was like something Mike would like. He likes cooperative games. He like this kind of, you know, game where they're adding additional kind of story packs and stuff like that. And I was like, Mike, you should look at this. And you're like, don't like Arkham Horror. Not going to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I checked it out and uh, I watched a really bad video review. <laughs> um, and... Uh, it's a guy who I thought was not too bad who does video reviews um, and I watched this one with this, the, the sole intent of you know is it a game what's the gameplay mechanics like is it a game that I would like and his review was absolutely terrible it, 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 you know um, I walked away going I'm not going to touch that with a 10 foot barge pole um, and then found uh, one of the, the the guys that I like from the Dice Tower was doing a, a solo review of the game. Yeah. And I thought, right, and now you're talking. And he sh- he went into the mechanics of the game, and rather than talking and gushing over the game and gushing about, you know, um, what the game's about, you know, he spoke through the mechanics, how it's pl- how it plays, and and how things work. And it made me, you know, want to get it. So. Um, yeah, I ended up get, ended up picking it up. So it's one of uh, it's part of the you know the the living card games that fan, Fantasy Flight Games do. Yeah, and I think EG were in the the living card game business as well. Kieran, you've got one of them. I think you had was it Doomtown? Yeah, I have Doomtown. I also have um, Netrunner. I didn't really oh, play yes. much of either of them though. Right. Um, but yeah, those um, are both. Netrunner in particular is kind of the the poster child for living card games. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. And that that and the Game of Thrones one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um so um Arkham Horror is slightly different in to uh Game of Thrones and Netrunner in that it's a cooperative game rather than a competitive game. So it can be played with either solo or with somebody else, so a two-player game, and um, 
what the game is is you're taking part in an adventure. Um, if you get the the core game, it is the you know set in set in Arkham, Massachusetts, and it's called Night of the Zealots. Uh, and the the way the game works is the whole thing's card based. There's you know there's no mats, there's no there's tokens. Obviously, you know you would need tokens, but that's it. There's tokens and cards, and there's various decks of cards. So there's a deck of cards called the Act deck, yeah. And there's the Agenda deck. So the Act deck kind of tells you about the story. It tells you what's happening. Um, and that's what you want to get through. You want to get through all the acts to resolve the story and find out what's happening. Um, there is also an agenda deck. Now, the agenda deck generally t- tends to be the beasties, you know, the, the creatures of Arkham or, um, depending on the scenario, the baddies. Yeah. So they have their own deck, and they're trying to get through that. If they get through that before you get through yours, normally something nasty is going to happen. Um so uh, the way that they get through their deck is um, each card will, you know, it will give you a little bit of text and a little bit of story. So um, I can talk about the first scenario um, and I can do it quite spoiler free because you would read this anyway. Yeah. So the game starts and you are in your study. Um, in the little town of Arkham uh, where you live, there's been a whole load of mysterious uh, goings on. People have been getting angry with each other for no reason and falling out and, you know, just being really nasty. Um, Also, quite recently, there's been bodies turning up. Um, People have been going missing and now the bodies are starting to turn up and they've been mutilated. Uh, The local police were saying that it looks like it's wild animals, but the, the mutterings and your general gut feel is that it's not. So it's late at night and you're in your study and you're you're investigating. You know, it's one of the things that you, you're chipping away at is investigating all these goings on. Um, and study disappears, it's gone. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm you know, you look up, you, yeah, you look up and your door's gone. Um, <laughs> uh, the second thing, so that, th- this happens in your, um, your act thing. So act one is you're in your study, studying you know, investigating the, the goings-on, and your door disappears. You need to get out of your study. So that, that's obviously what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. The agenda deck tells you that from your bathroom, I think it is, from your bathroom, you can hear uh, growling and scraping, and it sounds like something's trying to burrow, burrow its way up from the floor. It's trying to get in through your bathroom, and you don't really want to be there when it, you know, if... If something's crawling up, you don't really want to be there. <laughs> um, so you've got these two things that are happening. Um, on the agenda side, what what will happen is you place um, when it when it comes time for the enemies. Um, they call it the mythos phase. You would place doom counters, little counters on the card. Certain number of counters are there. Then the next part activates. Um, the, your agenda side. Uh, sorry, your act side, so the side that you're trying to do, is pretty much the same except it needs clue tokens. And how you get clue tokens is you investigate the area surrounding you, wherever you are. So at the start of the game, you're in your study. And the card tells you there's two clues for you to investigate, so you would investigate the clues. 
Um, so you go about the game um, traveling from location to location. You will investigate clues um, to progress the story to find out what's going on. But sometimes it's not as easy as that. You will also have monsters that come through and these monsters will attack you if mm -hmm. they can. Some of them will stalk you. Uh, some of them will just appear and you can maybe run away from them. Um, and the only time you need to deal with them is if you need to go back through to that location. Yeah. Um, the cards do a really cool thing where the locations... Um, one of the scenarios that I played had uh, nine locations. So the cards are all set up. But you can't just jump from one location to the next. They are all linked. So say, yeah. for example, you had your house. And from your house, you couldn't go to as the shopping centre. You know, you would need to first go to the centre of town. From the centre of town, then you can either go to Asda, Tesco, or Argos. You know, and then when you when you get to Argos, you could maybe get from Argos to Toys R Us, but you couldn't go from Argos to Tesco. You know, because everything's yeah. linked. You know, and it so they've created like a map, and there's little symbols on each card, and at the top. You know, so it has the the name, so it says your house, and it has a little symbol. Mm -hmm. Underneath, it's got a, a whole, it's got space for a whole load of different symbols, and these different symbols at the bottom are telling you where you can go to from this card. So, so cool. uh, yeah, it's a really cool it seems little like a smart way of handling basically not having a board. It feels like that yes. is kind of what that is a solution to. Is like we want That's to make exactly a living card game. So we couldn't have a board because also we want to have these story things. We don't want to ship a board every time. So how yep. do you get around that? It seems like a good way to do that. Yeah, it is really clever. Um, the, the campaign manual as well also gives you hints on how to set the cards up as well. Because as the story progresses, um, you know you're you're free to do whatever you want, but. As you're finding things out, there's a, sometimes there's a natural progression, or it feels like a natural progression of where you want to go. Oh, so I've, I've just investigated this here, and I found something out. They've mentioned something on the back of that card. Um, I'm going to travel there, and it's um, the way they've got you to lay out the cards is directly underneath it. And it just, it's just a nice little touch. They've actually thought about how you should lay out the cards. Yeah. Smart. You know, yeah, really smart. Um, the the other things that you can do in the game, so you obviously you can fight monsters. Um, you can. Uh, what else can you do? You can run away from the monsters. Uh, I, I think I'd already said that. Um, if you're playing a, a co-op game, sometimes one of the monsters may attack your friend, and they may not be as, you know that. They're not as tough as you are, so you might want to engage the enemy. So essentially, you know, if you engage the enemy, they become fixated on you, and they would leave the other person alone. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can jump in the middle of fights, and there's different things that you can do. Um, the centre of what you can and can't do is you have a deck of cards yourself. So each character has a deck of thirty cards. The thirty cards. Um, there, the game comes with five possible characters that you can play. 
and they all have um, a class. So there's different classes. There's uh, the FBI agent is a guardian. So um, he is he's quite tough. You know, he's um, very good at combat. Not too bad at investigation um, when it comes to using his willpower and his um, you know running away. For agility, I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> his agility and his willpower are not too strong. Um, but when it comes to you know his combat and his investigation skills, he, you know, that that's where he excels. Um, so they've got a class system. They've got five different classes, um, and each character or each class and deck of cards plays differently from the others. So there is the the guardian that I spoke about. That's the the character that I used quite a bit, hmm. and I have also had a little bit of a dabble with. The, um, the the mystic, basically a mage wizard. <laughs> um, so they have um, the, their strength is the willpower, you know, the, and things like their investigation skills, their agility, and their combat is not as good as their will. But they have um, at their disposal, their cards have spells in them. So sometimes you may be able to stun a monster. You may be able to send a monster back to the deck where it came from. You can freeze a monster and incapacitate it so you can get around and do what you need to do within the game. Um, or sometimes if what you can do, you can have a fight, but uh, your fight you'll be using spells, so you're using your willpower instead of your combat stat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, may as well talk about the kind of skill checks and things that you're doing as well. So, normally in a game like this, you know, you would have your combat stat and you would maybe roll dice and add it to that stat and the two numbers should be bigger than the number you're trying to beat that's, you know, on the on the beastie's card or whatever it is. Arkham Horror does something that's uh, it's quite cool, actually, what it does. So... The way it is is, Kieran. Let's say you're a, a ghoul, and uh, I have Whoa. to, I have to come. You know, oh, I have to beat you. That's just what? racist. <laughs> Don't know for that. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so if we're in, you know, you're, you're the beastie, and, and you know, I'm the investigator, and we're in combat. So if you have a combat skill of four. I need to have a combat skill of four or higher to beat you. So my base combat skill could be three. I may have cards in my hand that I can play and increases that. So let's say I increase it and I increase it to six. So right now I would be beating you by two. Um, okay. But it's not finished yet. The, the game comes with what they call chaos tokens. And the chaos tokens have various sim various things. Uh, they have various values and various symbols on them. So they have values from minus four up to plus four, I think, in the the kind of um, standard difficulty of the game. Yeah. And they have a couple of symbols. Now the symbols do various things depending on the scenario that you're playing. Uh, they may be just you know minus three, or it may be minus one for every other ghoul that's on the t on the board at the time. 
Um, so you draw one of these out the bag, and if it has a minus or a positive effect, you put it up against your. So I drew minus six. I uh, sorry. I so I have um, six combat against your four, and I draw a minus three token out of the bag. That means my combat level is now three, and I lose to you instead of rolling a dice. Mm-hmm. It's it's a different way of doing it. Yeah, it sounds yeah different is definitely the word I use. Yeah, um, it's weird. You get you kind of get used to it. Um, Does it work well? Like, did you or yeah. the, the times you play it, you were just kind of like that's the thing, I guess. No, I I kind of got used to it. I I actually get quite scared of it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so what uh, the game says you should use, you know, an opaque bag or you know, like a cup or something. Yeah. And um, so I had a black dice bag and I put everything in there and I use that now. Um, And you know, the first couple of times I did, I was pulling out and I was making sure that I was modifying my skill high enough that if I drew something negative I would be fine. Until I came to the final fight in one of the scenarios and um, I had uh, basically I had to win this combat uh, otherwise he would get a chance to retaliate and the game would be, you know, I would lose. Yeah. Um, I had modified my, my strength up to 7 I think it was I only needed, uh, I think it was a, a four. Yeah, I think it was a four that I needed. So I was pretty confident that I was fine. Put my hand in the bag and drew out a minus four. And it, that was it. I was I was done. Yeah. I'd got so far in the game. I'd been playing the game for an hour and that was it. Finished. So I, at first I thought, no, I don't like this bag thing. I'm not... <laughs> You know, no, it, it's not fair. It's too random, and um, but I was just so a creep, so I was just annoyed. Yeah, um, I've I've played it a couple of times after that, and it is completely you don't know what's going to happen. You have all the plan laid out in front of you, um, and yeah, I, it does work. Um, you know, the, the the only way for you to actually do better would be to have a fantastic hand of cards um, and play all of them you know play all your cards to modify your score use all your tips and tricks but if you did that for every single time you did a skill check Mm -hmm. you're never going to get anywhere yeah Uh, yeah yeah so it works quite well Um, in terms of the entire game now I liked it I I really did like it Uh, so you've got this entire story that you're playing through. Uh, once you play through a scenario, you get to uh, you get experience points, which is another thing that I really like. So you get these experience points, and in the de- in the, the core set of cards that you've got are maybe better versions of the cards that you already have in your deck, and you can now upgrade them. So, okay. um, for example, one of the one of the things that I had in my game uh, as the FBI guy is I had a, a 38 special revolver. Yeah. Um, when I equip this and I use it, I've got five, four or five pieces of ammo, and any time I use ammo, 
it uh, increases my combat stat by one and also it increases the damage I do to my enemy by one which can be quite useful yeah brilliant um, and uh, yeah that's fine but the problem is that most enemies that you fight have normally have a health above two um, so anytime you do combat you do damage of one this would modify you to let you do two damage in a single one. Yeah. Um, which is fair enough, that's fine. So I finished my first campaign, I went through what I could buy, I got a shotgun. <laughs> so a, a shotgun is two-handed, so I can only use, uh, you know, I can only have one item in my hand. Yeah. Yep, the shotgun. But it gives me plus three onto my combat stat, and any time that I for every once I you know when, when I do the comparison for every single point that I get over the over the required level so if I, I need to beat two and I get um, two I get seven mm-hmm. I would I would do five damage so it allows you to do one point extra damage for every point over the skill check that you get yeah so you end up um, doing shit down damage. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it. Yeah, but it's got a very limited amount of use of yeah. uh, uses. It's only got two uses. But there's another card that you can buy, which is ammunition, and it's the only card like this in its deck and in the deck. So you can buy this card, and it allows you to add more ammunition to any card that carries ammunition. All right. Or that uses ammunition. Yeah. So for um, a total of six experience you can buy these two cards and stick them in your deck but that's not the only thing because you buy these cards and now two cards have to leave your deck because you can only have a you know oh, you've got a, 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 a size limit, limit. Yeah, yeah there's a deck limit yeah um, and I really like it so you can play through you know the entire campaign of three scenarios mm-hmm. and you're gaining experience and you can add different things onto your Onto your decks. That sounds like a good way to handle that stuff because we've talked on here before about how, like, you know, me in particular, like, I was super into Yu Gi Oh! and Pokemon, well, yeah. less Pokemon, but more Yu Gi Oh! And the bit that I've always fallen off of those games with is the bit where you have to do any kind of deck building. Like, I don't have the patience for any of it, but that sounds like a good way around that, where it's like, well, it, it seems like it wouldn't feel like you're a deck building, you're just upgrading. And yeah, you're making trade-offs so, for it. Yeah, the, the cool thing about this one that it does is that it come, you know, obviously comes with a learn to play book. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, Fancy Flight Games, the rule books are fucking fantastic. It comes with the uh, kind of like the Star Wars Rebellion, the the learn to play book. Yeah. If you play and set up as you're reading that, you'll be fine. Then it's got the big thick um, rules reference book. For certain things that you'll only encounter on certain cards at certain times, mm-hmm. so it, it, you know, they, they use the scheme for a whole load of their games, and they've brought it in here, and it works really well. Um, yeah, uh, but what it also has is it has um, it, it deck lists, so mm-hmm. it tells you if you're going to play the game, play with these two characters. If you're playing a two-player game. You know, if not, if you're playing a single player game, play with one of these characters. 
Um, then it, it shows you there's um, different combinations uh, because the, the core game only allows you to build two decks of cards at, the, at one time. If you want to play a four player game or have four decks you would need to buy another copy of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine. Um, but because now you're limited there's, uh, for example, you can't play in a team of the FBI agent and the the ex-con. Now, thematically, that also makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. And, and that's probably why they've done it that way as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, because the ex-con and the FBI agent use cards that are similar and they use um, cards from um, the same classes... Mm-hmm. You wouldn't you, just you have enough cards to make two decks. You wouldn't have, them. yes. Unless, exactly, again, yeah. you bought a second box. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. And then um, there's a lot of resources. So I printed something off uh, FFG's website, which gives you a rundown of starter decks. This is decks that they say you should build for each character. Mm-hmm. So that's it. The whole thing that you don't like of building decks, um, it's taken all of that away from you. It's... Use these starter decks. These are per- they're, they're perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with them. But if you really want want to get into building decks, turn your character card over, and it tells you the the minimum size or well, the maximum size of your deck has to be. It also tells you what class of cards you can use and what level cards you can use without you know spending experience. So you can either just follow their rules get a character straight out the box, get that deck of cards, or if you want to do the whole deck building thing, you can as well. Um, yeah, this sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I have... Um, so the the other thing is that um, you and I were talking about this before I played it, and one of the things I, I thought was, right, it's story-driven. Is it going to be kind of like, uh, like a time stories idea, one and done? Mm-hmm. Play through the campaign once and that's you. No, um, because of the way that it's built is uh, you get the the agenda deck and the act deck, which is your main parts of it. Yep. But then there's the the encounters, the the beasties that you you know that you will encounter. Um, there's probably when you play through uh, you know one of the scenarios, you'll probably only get through about twenty five percent of the encounter deck, and because it's shuffled every time. You don't know what you're going to get, and you're not going to get through all those monsters. So playing through the campaign a couple of times, you'll you'll come up against different things. You know what the story is anyway. The story's fucking hundreds of years old, based on Lovecraft stuff. So you know it's not a big surprise there, unless you yeah. haven't you, you know you haven't read it. Yeah. But it is all about the surprises and turning the card over and finding things. You're not going to get that surprise anymore from the the act deck and the agenda deck, mm-hmm. but you'll still get some from the monster deck, yeah. um, which, which is quite cool. Uh, also, the other thing that you can do is you can play through the campaign with the different characters, and like I said, they all act and behave differently. Yeah, so you can have a very different experience from both of those yeah. combined. Yeah, so when I was playing as the FBI, it was run and gun, it, and you're actually going looking for a fight, <laughs> mm-hmm. whereas when you're playing with the... Um, you're playing with a mystic, it's, I don't have a spell right now, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to evade you, um, and I'm going to run far away from you so that it takes you a while to come and get me. Um, and you're, you're playing different ways. That, um, 
so there is there's the the variedness in that um and then of course it's a living card game so there's the expansions and they're coming out the the latest expand well the first expansion just came out yesterday um and that's uh, called the Dunwich Horror mm-hmm. and that's the start of another campaign it's got two scenarios in the box and there's another six parts that you would need to yeah that you would get and it would make up this entire story but you don't need to do that you can just play those two two parts of the story and they're semi self-contained you know they have a little bit of a resolution Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I went to go and investigate somebody because they're missing. Turns out they were they had, you know, they'd been hiding um, because they're, they're living in fear. But I found them and we've consoled them and everything's okay now. That's obviously not the end of the story, but if you're happy with it, there you go. So you don't need to buy. It, it doesn't feel like I'm being conned to buy everything else. Yeah, it just feels like it would be a good addition, not yeah. like a necessary one. It's not like yes. Time Stories where... I, I, not that Time Stories felt like a con, but that Time Stories, you had to get the next one. Yes. Like, you could replay those technically, but you they're not really designed for that. No, no. So, um, yeah, and the, the price of these, so... What they call the the deluxe expansion is it it it's twenty twenty five pound or so, and then the the box standard one. So the the deluxe one will come with more characters for you to play, yeah. and it will come with different things like that that you need. Um, and then just the box standard, the next part of the story, it, they're going for around about fifteen odd pound. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, it's not um, yeah, so um, I I don't think I'm going to play um, Dunwich uh, on my own um, because I was explaining to uh, my wife and she was saying she thought it was quite interesting and we're going away on holiday in March so we might take that with us. That's fair. That's you know, a good idea. Because it's, it's one of those things you yeah. can either play a little bit or you can do a little bit of the campaign. Yeah, you know, if it, if it's a day, a, a day just for chilling in the house or something, you can or chilling in a pub somewhere. Yeah, you know, you can take that with you. And, so that'd be quite cool. I definitely recommend it. Um, Kieran, you should check it out. It is really really cool. Yeah, I think I might pick up because um, my girlfriend quite liked. She played Arkham Horror with some people at her work a while ago, um, which it seemed like a game to me that would not be appealing to her in the slightest, apart from the theme. Yeah. Uh, but she kind of enjoyed it, so it'd be right. I'm sure she'd be into this kind of co-op card game based on that. Yeah, this takes all the the faffing around. It takes it out. Yeah, uh, that's always the bit that I I've never played through like a full game of Arkham Horror or uh, oh, what was on before it? Uh, Eldritch Horror. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, I, and I got. Know they're they're kind of revered, but they're always kind of revered with that kind of. Yeah. I I played it's like, but also yeah. a lot of faffing around. Yeah, I I played Eldritch Horror at one of our charity game days, and it was the worst seven hours <laughs> of my life. Uh, I I absolutely hated it, and that's yeah. why when you said to me, "Have you checked out Arkham Horror, the card game?" I was like, "Nope." Yeah. I loathed it with a passion. 
Yeah, I thought it was animal. Yeah, um, but yeah, this one definitely check it out. Um, it probably it'll you know yeah. if you like the the campaign and stuff like that, I think you end up spending a bit of money on it. But there is the I think you will get your money's worth from it as well. Yeah, definitely. Cool. I'll add it to the list. Excellent. Ever growing list of stuff to spend money <laughs> on. All right. Yeah. So I think that's us for for board games. Speaking have of we, which, have we got some news? Yeah, more things to spend money on. <laughs> All right. Well, the news will be pretty obvious for most people who have heard of it by now. But the main big thing is, of course, Nintendo announced the Switch. The or well, they announced more about the Switch. They yes. um, it is coming out March third, which is a lot earlier than I expected. Yes. Um. Because yeah. um, they said they said March, but I think when. When tech companies say they're releasing something in a month, you usually, that usually expect means, the end of the month. Yeah, that means like the 29th of that month. <laughs> it's like the, yeah, the last Friday quite. of that month, you know? And then Nintendo yeah. are like, no, no, we're releasing it at the start. And it's like, okay, yeah. that's what? bizarre. Okay. Um, it's 280 pounds, which is, again, a little bit higher than. Expected maybe. Um, although uh, a little bit higher I guess, than I was expecting. I guess yeah. wasn't the rumours that was kicking around wasn't it two fifty with a three hundred pound thing? So I guess it kind of fits in the middle of the two projections. Um, there's two different versions of it, but there's not like a premium and a regular version. There's just a grey one and the one they're calling the neon one that has uh, two different colours for the Joy Cons, the little controllers that snap in at the sides. Uh, yeah, which one is red, one is blue, and it is bizarre. Um, I don't understand why you would sell one that has different colours for both the Joy Cons. It's really silly. Um, yeah, it's you're bizarre. Yeah, the thing I find funniest though is they sell. They've like all the, when they announced all this. Also, all of their accessories went up for pre-order and stuff as well. Um, and you can buy a pair. Well, first of all, you can buy the Joy-Cons separately, so you can buy, like, just the left one if you want just another left one, or just another right one if you want just another right one, which I guess is maybe if you lose one. I don't know. Um, but you can also buy them in pairs, and you can get pairs of grey ones, or again, you can get neon pairs, yeah, and the yeah. colours for those are the opposite of the ones that are they come <laughs> with the system. In the box. Yeah, so I think it's the system is left one's red and the right one's blue. And then it's vice versa for the the other ones, so it's you know left one's blue, uh, right one's red. So yeah. I guess you could buy that one if you bought it, and you could have two sets of matching ones. It's weird. <laughs> uh, you can also buy the matching colours separately as well. You can buy a pair of blue ones or a pair of red ones, but it's just fucking weird. Yeah, the, the accessories also. The prices on those are a little bit higher than I would have desired. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I'll mention is a lot of the prices that are out for the accessories and the games in particular are placeholders just now. Um, the ones that are on Nintendo's website are official. So again, like the Joy-Cons are really expensive. Um, yeah, they are. Which they showed all the stuff that's in the Joy-Cons. Those little controllers have... A lot of technology in them. I'd almost argue too much technology in them, like way more than they need, because they have uh-huh. all the motion controls you would kind of expect because it's a Nintendo console. So they they basically work as Wii remotes. Um, yeah. They have what they are describing as HD Rumble, which is 
uh, kind of haptic feedback on it that will let you it'll, it'll simulate feeling something on the controller so the example they gave in their live stream was uh, holding a glass with ice cubes in it yeah right and just by holding the joycon it would rumble in such a way that you could feel that another ice cube had been added and you could shake it and you could feel how many ice cubes were in the glass um, and right. they had they had a mini game there that was that concept so the idea with joycon was simulating a uh, a box, and the box had metal balls in it, and you had to shake uh-huh. the joy around and turn it around and stuff like that and feel the rumble, and just yeah. based on the rumble you had to tell how many balls were in the box. Um, which, it sounds like a cool bit of tech, but I don't know other than little mini-games like that, I can't think of, a, of that ever. Reason to have it. But I mean, then again, like, good rumble was always, like, it's one of the things that is still quite good about the Xbox One, is the the rumble on the triggers is still yes. really good. So improvements to rumble is not necessarily, you know, it's weird that it's there to some degree, but just yeah. a general better rumble is could be cool. Definitely. Yeah. yeah um, oh god, what else it had? It has like an IR sensor at the bottom uh, of one of them. I don't know if both the Joy-Cons have it. I think they only showed one of them, but it's capable of detecting like hand gestures. So the example they gave was that you could play rock paper scissors with it. Yeah, like it, right. It could, it could detect that hand gesture. Um, it could probably detect you sticking your middle finger up at it, that kind of thing. Um, Which you probably will, to be fair. I probably will. I, if anything uses it, that's the thing. They announced a bunch of games here, as you would expect. Not as many as you might expect, but a bunch of games. Um, one of them was One Two Switch, which is kind of their mini game collection. Uh, which is coming out at launch. It's not bundled with the system like Wii Sports was, or Nintendo Land was, but it's kind of a similar idea where it's kind of to show off the gimmicky kind of features of it. Um, yeah. yeah. And weirdly, none of the games they showed in that involved the use of that tech. It's like, you've got this thing, and the example you specifically gave in your livestream was Rock, Paper, Scissors, and you have a minigame collection specifically for showing off this stuff. And it doesn't and have rock paper scissors. Then, yeah. It's bizarre. Um, but those those controls look really cool. Um, the system itself looks really cool. Um, a lot of the press and stuff like that got hands on, and all of the talk that's coming out of it is that it's a very well made device. It's kind of one of the yeah. more solid yeah. feeling handhelds, um, not kind of floaty and plasticky like the the gamepad or the 3DS or anything. Right. Which is cool. And also apparently the screen's a lot better as well, so that's always good. Yeah, I've seen ten minutes of undocked Zelda yeah. earlier on today and it looks really nice. The hardware it looks outstanding. Like it's they seem to be I th- I don't know. They seem to be kind of really leaning into that whole it's a portable system but also it's a you know, a console. Yeah. Like they the yeah. they seem to have made a really good portable system um, hardware wise at least but I mean the last time we saw a really good portable system with hard like really good hardware come out was the Vita and that didn't go so well so who knows no yeah exactly um, yeah. I'm be, I'm sitting over here being super positive having voiced all my concerns <laughs> about the console and my genuine you know not niceness about it to you guys earlier on yeah. and I, I will say I'm 
not going to pick it up at launch, and I have no oh, interest yeah, I in it I until I'm forced to buy it for Pokemon. I think it's completely stupid to buy a lot. I have one pre-ordered, but I think it's completely stupid to buy a lot. <laughs> like, the launch yeah, games I, are... I'm, I'm going to be straight honest with you. For me, the argument of people going, I'm buying it for Zelda. If you want a Wii U, you can play Zelda. Oh, I can play Zelda portably, though. Yeah. Uh, really? Is it worth 280 quid to play Zelda on the freaking bus when you could play it on your DS? Yeah. No. Not mm-hmm. unless you're fucking insane, in my opinion. But, you know, each to their own. Let's go through some of the games in this first, alright? Because it's not... And it's Poo Poo Tetris for this thing. That so. looks pretty good. I like Poo Poo Tetris. Um, but yeah, at launch, there's going to be... Oh god, I don't know if they actually gave specific... Zelda's the main thing. Zelda's coming at launch. 1-2-Switch is coming at launch. A lot of uh, smaller indie stuff has been announced since then for launch. So uh, yeah. Binding of Isaac is coming at launch. A uh, game which, at this point, can literally run on anything, including... Fridges and toasters. You say that, but there's also no good portable versions of that game. The 3DS version of that game is bad, and the Vita version is also not very good. Yeah. So, this is actually a good chance to be able to be like, hey, this is a super popular indie game, and this is the only place you can play it well, portably. So. Um, yeah, fair enough. There's I- a new Bomberman game coming out, called Super Bomberman R. Looks like kind of old school isometric Bomberman game, uh, like up to eight player multiplayer, like the old games. Right. Uh, I don't know. It looks like Bomberman. It has a cooperative campaign mode. Um, I don't know. I've never been the biggest Bomberman fan in the world, but it looks kind of cool. No. Uh, Skylanders, Imaginators, Just Dance 2017, as you'd expect. FIFA, as you'd expect. Um. Sam? Yeah, but mm, apparently not. Not the FIFA current. you'd want. <laughs> no. Yeah, apparently it's own version of FIFA, which you know. Yeah, they said is fair enough. The rumor, at least, I don't think they actually confirmed it, but the, the rumor at least was that it's based on the PS3 version, which they still release PS3 versions of FIFA. Like every year, they put out a last gen version of FIFA. Yeah, wow. Which is mental. But I also remember having the same situation like at the end of the PS3 last time where they were like oh yeah we just released a new PS2 version of FIFA and it's like why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> to be fair they're you know they're still releasing it on pretty much everything at this point you know EA it's just likes money. I know but it makes even less sense now that like for PS2 it made sense because whatever like they, you buy it every year for I mean if you're one of those people that likes FIFA a lot and can't afford a new system for some reason um, but the 360 is still stupidly well supported I mean they're releasing new games like um, especially the stuff that targets kids so the new Lego yeah. Dimensions thing well it's not yeah, that new but that, yeah. that's on 360 um, on your Skylanders games uh, you know all of that's still on 360 because a lot of kids have them they're cheap kids have 360s and they've not upgraded to an Xbox one or that yet it's been yeah and a lot of kids play FIFA. I guess that's true. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and now they can play it on their Switch. Uh, <coughs> um, 
Uh, I if think you're thinking about buying your kid a Nintendo Switch, just buy them an Xbox 360. It's cheaper and probably better. Also not portable. <laughs> not really. It's not really comparable. I'm that. I'm not even treating the Switch as a portable. I mean, I know that's what it is. It's a tablet with controllers, yeah. but it is a again, yeah, fair enough. I, I'd honestly just per, just give me a new DS that I can play Pokemon on. I'd that's be quite happy with that. That's literally what the Switch is. <laughs> yeah, but my 2DS cost me 80 quid when I bought it with Pokemon. Yeah, that's true. But the 2DS also not, came I'm out like not. three years, four years into the 3DS lifespan. Yeah, yeah I don't want to pay 280 quid just to play Pokemon. Yeah. That's the thing, again, like, all systems fall in price eventually. Like, It's silly to buy a launch. I have to pre order it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just. I can see people who like Nintendo stuff being hyped about it. So I, on the other hand, can't be. What have they said about the lifespan of the 3DS? Uh, the same stuff they always do when they release a new console. So they're like, oh yeah, we're still supporting the 3DS, it's still going. Uh, they announced a new Fire Emblem for it last night. Um, it's a remake of the NES game Fire Emblem Gaiden. Called yes. Fire Emblem Echoes of the Shadows of Valencia. Um, so it's like a kind of remake of it for 3DS. Um, they also announced that the next mainline Fire Emblem is coming to Switch next year, uh, but they didn't right. have even like a name for that yet. They just said it was coming. So I think that's kind of like a good signposting of, hey, there's a Fire Emblem this year for 3DS the one you want uh-huh. comes out next year for Switch. Like, that's kind of the... Start start moving along, guys. Come on. Um, but yeah, like, there'll be a bunch of 3DS games that come out this year. Because like, there's always a bit of crossover. I think it's more surprising that we're not seeing things like this new Fire Emblem come to Switch. It's not a cross-gen game. But it's definitely possible that it's just not super easy to port those games. Yeah. We yeah. don't tend to see 3DS games get ported in a lot of places unless they're indie games. Yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Um, they announced... Uh, there was actually... They, they announced a bunch of games there. They announced um, Snipper Clippers, which is a really cool-looking uh, cooperative puzzle game where you're two different... You're little paper characters that are kind of folding and cutting themselves into shapes. Um, it looks like genuinely like a really cool little game. Um, Fast RMX, which is... I don't know if it's a sequel or a re-release or what, but it's a, a it's fast racing Neo, but for the Switch basically. Oh right, okay. Um, like same developer, same game. Um, so yeah, uh, running 1080p, six frames a second, looks really pretty. So I like fast racing Neo, so I'd be up for a sequel. Uh, Has been nope. Heroes, which I don't actually know what that is, uh, but that's a game. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is Mario Kart 8 because no one owned Wii U's, so they can finally sell it again. Uh, but with extra characters and modes and stuff like that, they added a proper battle mode, things like that. Um, Arms, yes, Splatoon. Yes, yeah, Splatoon 2, which again was rumoured, like people, they showed it before, they announced it before, but they didn't say what it was, they were just like, oh, Splatoon. 
And people kind of assumed it was like that Mario Kart thing where it would be Splatoon Deluxe or something like that, where they add more stuff, uh-huh. but it's the same game. But no, it's a straight-up sequel, so the new campaign, uh-huh. new modes, all that stuff. Um, the main thing they showed that was new was uh, a gun that was like two little kind of Uzis, basically, that just fired out tons of paint. Um, it looks really nice. good. It looks like nice. Alice Splatoon. Uh, Arms, which is like a kind of uh, fighting game, like over-the-shoulder kind of uh, boxing thing. They showed it with motion controls, although you can play it without motion controls as well. Right. Um, it looks really cool. It's like really stylized. All the characters have big cartoony, cartoony looks, and the kind of idea of it is that your uh, every character has like big kind of springy arms, so you're kind of throwing your punches from the other side of the map, that kind of thing, and curving them right. in midair and slamming into people. Um, all of the buzz about that game was very positive um, press got to play it um, so that could be one to look out for uh, Disgaea 5 Complete which I've never played any Disgaea games so I know there's a big following for those though so. yes yeah, yeah. Uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris game of the year never heard year. of it translated into English for the first time no need to that import would- it Released digitally Excellent. exclusively on this. Oh, they are, right, okay. The English translation is coming out on PS4 as well. Not on Xbox yeah. One for some reason, which is weird. Um, but it's not coming digitally for some reason, except on the Switch. All right, okay. So the break. So you don't need a Switch to play it though. You don't. You play on the PS4. Cost you less money. I've already got it for PS4. The thing yeah. for me that actually makes this kind of like a good game for the Switch for me is I, the, my most played times, like the times I played Puyo Puyo Tetris the most was at my last job where we had a PS4 in the office and we played Puyo Puyo Tetris at lunch. Right. Uh, current Fair job, enough. we don't have a PS4 in the office so we can't play Puyo Puyo Tetris at lunch ever. Whereas if you could have a Switch in your bag, pull out one person takes each Joy-Con and you sit and play Puyo Puyo Tetris that seems pretty great Um, that seems like the one thing to me that has kind of actually made me interested in that idea of the one player plays with a Joy-Con thing yeah Yeah. next time they're showing it like Bomberman it's like I don't want to play two player Bomberman what the fuck or Mario Kart it's like that does not seem like a fun way to play Mario Kart and it's like Puyo Puyo Tetris is like oh I just need directions and a rotate button yeah, yeah right that, yeah. that seems great um, yeah so I, I'm interested in that one um, and finally I'll be able to understand that story um, um, I very much doubt that <laughs> the fact that it will be in English I don't think we'll understand it any better Satan's in that game Satan, Satan. I hope they don't translate the audio I hope, like, I hope they don't dub it I hope it's just like a text oh just, just like subtitles yeah because yeah, I still want all the characters to be like Tetris yeah Isis bomb Isis bomb god that <laughs> uh, game's so good uh, I right. think I've actually I've just kind of while you guys have been talking thought about the reason that the, the Switch doesn't appeal to me and it's the same reason that I really don't play much on the 2DS 3DS I don't have a reason or a need to game portably anymore. Yeah, you don't I don't use public transport. 
I don't have a I don't have a commute where I'm not driving my car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. fair. Yeah, I, I understand that. Like portable systems are kind of for that use case. So yeah, portable systems to me are now a complete waste because if I'm yeah. gaming, I'm gaming at home. Yeah, and like as a a home console, it's it seems like it would be good, but not something you desperately need. Yeah, it completely. I've just completely turned off from the idea because everyone's argument. Oh yeah, blah blah blah. I, I can play it on the go, and I'm like, uh, I, yeah. I, that doesn't compute with me anymore. Exactly, that's not something that everyone needs. Yeah. So yeah, for me, it's not really got a use because I'd rather play the PS4 or the Xbox yeah. One at home. For me, I have sure. a like half hour commute in the morning, and then also I use public transport a lot at the weekends and stuff like that. Like if I'm yeah. going to go play board games with Mike, that's me sitting on a train for an hour and a half. So yeah, I, I can kind of get that. Yeah. Um, so that's you know, I'd, that's I also a lot of. I mean, that's like that apparently, according to stuff that came out, like half the battery life of a system, but that's also 3ds batteries. So yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. that's fair. I do um, think a lot of people overreacted to that with the, like because Nintendo came out straight away and they're like, oh, it's got battery life between like three to six hours, depending on how like how like they didn't give like a good explanation for it, but like how demanding the game is, like how how home console the game is. So, like, Zelda runs about three hours of battery. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. something like Puyo Puyo Tetris would probably, you know, last six. That kind of stuff. Um, yeah, if you could get Hammer Watch running on it, I'd be interested. It'd probably last, like, a year. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's that thing where people were overreacting and be like, oh, that's terrible. And it's like, if you use the 3DS, the battery life in 3DS is garbage as well. I'm not saying this yeah. is good battery life, it's still not very good, but... No, you... the, the battery life of the 2DS was awful, but at yeah. the same time, playing Pokemon for me, it's actually sitting at home, so... Yeah, well, yeah. Well, if you think about it, with the Switch, you can play Pokemon on your TV. That's the only reason I'm buying <laughs> it. That's the only reason anyone's going to buy it. Then this year, if all those rumours come true and that Pokemon Stars comes out, yeah, that is the it's only reason Nintendo will get me apart with money is because yeah. I I need to play the new Pokemon game. That is purely it. If that is legit and is actually like an end of 2017 release along with the new Mario game, then it's going to sell really well over Christmas. Then Nintendo Switches will be the biggest selling thing at Christmas. Yeah, which they kind of need it to be because if it's replacing the 3DS, which sold well but not amazingly, and yeah. replacing the Wii U, which was... the slowest selling console in history um, you know they need something purely down to yeah. bad naming and bad marketing yeah because like if it doesn't well and not purely also because it's I don't know they don't have a lot of games right. that's, that's the thing about the Switch that makes sense it's just <clears throat> Nintendo's not been good against third party support no, no so there's always been these big droughts where like two Nintendo games come out a year and so you're waiting from the first one to the second one. 3DS, similar, but also had some third-party stuff. Even yeah. if the Switch doesn't get the 3DS level of third-party, we're still talking about, you know, a handful of Nintendo-made games every year. Which yeah. means, you know, a pretty solid lineup of games, including their kind of smaller stuff. There'll still be yeah. droughts, yeah. but simply there'll be some third-party stuff, hopefully. Um, sorry, continue with this list. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim. 
uh, is coming out in autumn. So you can play Skyrim on the go. If marketed well, that could be a big thing. It could be. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you that. That might yeah. be a big thing. Um, I don't really again, think they're going to market it very much, is the thing. I can I can play it shinier with PS4 mods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find the redeeming quality about this no, one. For me. No, there isn't one. Yeah, again, if you're not going to play portably as a home console, there are other ones that do similar things unless you want Nintendo games. It's kind of yeah, so at this point I'm going to shut up. Yeah. Um, Super Mario Odyssey, which they showed a trailer for, it's the first kind of big 3D Mario game since uh, Galaxy 2. So they kind of sat out the entirety of the Wii U without one. Um, like had 3D World and stuff, but they weren't really the same. Um, it looked really nice. The trailer's really pretty. They showed some really cool stuff. They showed Mario in the real world, or maybe not the real world, but a more realistic-looking city, which was bizarre. He goes and stands next to realistically proportioned human beings, which makes you realize that Mario is some weird, deformed monster man. Because <laughs> he's like this big, or this like tiny, cartoony you know, chubby plumber, and there's this, like, realistic-looking human standing next to him, and you're like, oh, God, what is Mario? Is Mario human? The, the Mario is the embodiment of Nintendo. He's just, like, a phys- he just came into being, like, Nintendo were like, we need something, and he just started he is, He's the embodiment of Nintendo. It's weird, and I... not that great, but I'll do anyway. <laughs> Uh, I look forward to that game. I love the good Mario games. Um, I look forward to playing it at years before Game of the Year. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> um, they announced a sequel to Xenoblade Chronicles, which I know you like that game, Mike. You played the yes. 3DS version, I think, didn't you? I did, yes. Um, so yeah, the sequel to Xenoblade Chronicles, which is weird because I thought Xenoblade Chronicles X was a sequel to Xenoblade Chronicles. Xenoblade Chronicles, but apparently not, because this is called Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So, I don't know. That's better than being called Xenoblade Chronicles. Why? Yeah, I mean, that worked out for Pokemon, though. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Although sensible people bought X, so. Actually, I don't know why. That might be why I didn't like that game. Uh, one of the weirder announcements there, uh, Ultra Street Fighter 2 The Final Challenge, which is a re-release of Street Fighter 2 with some new content, uh, exclusive right. to the Switch. It's using the, um, I mean you can switch between art styles, but it has like the original art, but also the uh, Turbo HD remix art from a few years ago. Uh, I say a few years ago, from like early 360 days um, it just seems like a really weird thing I, I don't know came out of nowhere um, Minecraft because of, it's a gaming system so of course it needs Minecraft it's yeah. a system with a CPU in it so Minecraft will run <laughs> on it uh, as we said FIFA Sonic Mania um, which is that 2D Sonic game that they announced a little bit ago that seems genuinely really good which is shocking um Sonic I forget I think they were calling it Sonic 2017 which that game is not coming out this year even though they called it that um but that's like the new 3D Sonic game 
that will be coming to Switch. I Am Setsuna, which came out for PS4 and Xbox One a while ago. That's the yes. kind of Chrono Trigger-y uh, Square Enix game that I always kept meaning to buy and play because I really like Chrono Trigger, but didn't. Um, Siberia 3, which is oh God. a weird one. Is that new? Did they make a new Siberia I... Oh yeah, they're making. A, that's not even out yet. That, they're making a new Siberia game. Oh wow! Okay. That's fucking weird. Yeah, that is. I didn't know that. I, th- I only ever played like Siberia one. I think. That's an old series. That's weird. That's a weird one to bring back. Um, NBA Two K, Dragon Ball Xenoverse Two, and the weirdest of the weird releases, Steep, is coming out on it. Oh God. Yay! Which I might actually buy it so I can play Steep on the go. The, the weird, the, the thing that's weirdest about it for me is Steep requires an online connection at all times. Yes. On a portable maybe this system. Ver- maybe this version won't. Yeah, I, I, I have to assume. Like, the Therefore, it will be the best version of the game. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, the, I still, I don't know. Fucking weird. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of smaller things to announce. So, Square Enix announced a new RPG from the team that made Bravely Default. Oh! Called... Yeah, that's kind of what piqued my interest. Oh god, what's the name of it? It's got a really fucking terrible name. Uh, it's. Uh, Project Octopath Traveler. Oh, okay. It's weird. Uh, yeah. They showed a brief bit of it on uh, their Switch livestream. Um, like a little trailer of it. It looks really pretty. It's got like a really nice kind of uh, 2D sprite on top of kind of really nice 3D environment look. Um, I recommend going and watching that trailer. It looks really pretty. Um, What else? Red Out, which is that kind of Wipeout. um, I think it was made by ex-Wipeout developers actually. A game that's out on PC. I don't think it's out on other consoles yet, but that's coming to Switch as well. Dragon Quest Ten and Eleven, which were announced a while ago, or at least Eleven was. I think it's Ten, not the MMO. That if uh, that's true, that that one won't come out here because that's never been translated into English. Yeah. Um, Dragon Quest Heroes One and Two bundled together, um, which those are the two Dragon Quest uh, Dynasty Warrior style like missile games. Um, a new Shin Megami Tensei game, which they very clearly had just started development of because they didn't so much have a trailer as they had loaded up a Unreal Engine 4 demo and thrown in a handful of Shin Megami Tensei monsters models. <laughs> um, which, you know what, fine. Shin Megami Tensei is a, a good series. Uh, the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus, which we mentioned before, was coming. Rayman Legends Definitive, Definitive Edition, which again, another weird one because Rayman Legends has been out since the launch of the Wii U. Yeah, um, and it didn't do that well. No. Uh, Farming Simulator, so it's already a successful console. Um, and there was a handful of indie games, so like Stardew Valley and stuff like that all got announced for it. Um, uh, I mean, Stardew Valley was pretty cool. Yeah, I think a portable version of Stardew Valley. It's on yeah. Vita, actually. Um, so oh, it is on Vita. Yeah. Um, but also... I don't know if that version has cross saves. I don't think it does. So like this would have that by default. Yeah, um, because it's the same console. Exactly. 
Um, and then there's stuff like Shovel Knight and uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's still stuff still getting announced. Um, I think it was that thing where Nintendo showed their stuff for launch, and then we're like, look, if other developers want to release stuff, they can release stuff. But I mean, this is our stuff, so do what you want. Yeah, so there might be other things, but they're like, yeah, exactly. They're like, yo, Zelda's at launch. Like, we're gonna sell out. You know, we're gonna fulfill all of our pre-orders because Zelda's coming out of launch. We don't really care about if anyone else is paying attention yet because <laughs> the people that want Zelda will buy it for Zelda at launch. It's like, uh, you're right, I pre-ordered one. Okay, fine. Um, Again, I still have the argument of it's coming to the Wii U. <laughs> I can't play my Wii U on the tram. I mean, I probably could. There's power outlets there. Hmm. I should take my Wii U and plug it in on the tram. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's that Switch stuff. There's a lot more as well, but I think we've talked enough about it. Yep. So we shall end this uh, Nintendo news and move on to Nintendo news. So uh, the, a couple of days after their Switch event, they had a Fire Emblem event. Woohoo! Where which, which is yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday, which is weird because the. They announced the new Switch game, the new Switch Fire Emblem game that's coming out next year. Again, it doesn't have a name yet, it's just Fire Emblem. Uh, it doesn't have any graphics or anything like that. There's no trailer. These kind of. The, the way it felt was that they were making a 3DS only game called Fire Emblem's Gaiden. Or Fire Emblem's. Uh, oh god, I said it earlier. Whatever it was. Shadow of Valencia, Memory yes. of Valencia. Something. The Fire Emblem Gaiden one. Um. It felt like they made that and announced that, but didn't want to announce it before the Switch event. But then realised that if they announced it after the Switch event, but there's no Switch game, it made it seem like Fire Emblem was, you know, kind of a 3DS franchise still. So I felt like somewhere down the line, someone was like, "Guys, the next main one's going to be on Switch. I know we've got nothing to show yet, but it looks real bad for the Switch if you don't announce Switch game right now." <laughs> So they announced the Switch game. Um, they showed, uh, they showed like the same trailer for. Um, what did we say actually? I don't think I said. They announced um, uh, Fire Emblem Warriors. I think it's Fire Emblem Warriors. They called it. It's uh, again Dynasty Warriors, but it's Fire Emblem characters. Um, yeah. They announced that at the Switch event. Then they showed the same trailer at the Fire Emblem event, but with five seconds tacked on at the end of it of gameplay footage. Yeah. And yeah. I'm gonna blow your mind here. It looks like a missile game. I know it may shock you. They they swing their swords and they wipe out like a hundred soldiers at once. Yeah. Oh wow. I like that Zelda one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I suppose. So I could be into. Fire Emblem one. That's not really what I wanted from Fire Emblem, but I mean, yeah, 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 I'll take it. Um, and then they also announced, uh, well, I say announced, they announced it a while ago, but they finally revealed uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, which is their smartphone game. Yeah, yeah. Which is so uh, I... oh, sorry. No, no, I, I was going to say I had a look at the the video for this. Yeah, and yeah, they've. Sexualize some of the characters, which I. It's a lot more anime-looking in general. Yeah, I would say. Um, 
Yeah, but it, it feels very much like they're kind of appealing to that free-to-play crowd because that's how all those free-to-play games are. Um, and they've done the opposite what they did with the Mario game, so it's coming to Android first instead of iPhone first. Uh, they conf- they clarified that said it's coming to both at the same time. Ah, right, they, okay. they did kind of only talk about the Android version when they were there. Like the trailer they showed was only they was running on Android phones that kind of stuff. But then they came out yeah. afterwards and said it'll be on both at the same time. Alright, um, fair enough. I, I, also, I thought they'd maybe done a little opposite, you know, yeah, opposite thing there. I thought that as well. Which? Um, because it, I Mar- wouldn't Super have Mario been runs, mad about it. Super Mario Run's still not out here. Uh, I say here, on Android. Uh, fair enough. I, I mean, I wouldn't have been mad March. about that if they chose to do it that way. Yeah, I, I would have been with it. Because I have an Android phone. Uh, well, yeah. But it looks, yeah. it looks free to play as hell. Like, you have your kind of random box thing that you get characters from. You can pay money to get more random boxes to get more characters. You have uh, leveling up by feeding other characters to other characters, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, the, this, the generic free-to-play stuff. The bit that seems interesting to me is that they have the actual main bulk of the gameplay part of it is these kind of smaller uh, smaller scale Fire Emblem battles. Like, you, you select your team of four, you throw them into this battle, and then it's just Fire Emblem after that. Um, which is the bit that seems interesting to me. Because yeah. I've tried out a bunch of these free-to-play things, and usually the bit that it falls apart for me is that I don't like the actual gameplay bit. Like, I don't mind. I know people hate blind boxes and stuff like that, but I don't mind them. They're fine. Like, who cares? Yeah, I mean... So, I'm go- I'll I'll give it a go and I'll probably give it a good chance because I'm the kind of person that goes on to the App Store every week and downloads every free game that comes out on a weekly basis. You say that, but have you played that Kingdom Hearts one yet? No. Motherfucker. <laughs> Did you play the Final Fantasy Z? No. I've actually not played that one yet either. I played the other Fire Emblem, uh, no, the other uh, Final Fantasy one. You, you uh, two, you two like it, so just out of spite, I don't bother. There was like four other Final Fantasy ones actually. Yeah. I played there was the a lot of Final Fantasy Record ones. Keeper? Record Keeper. Oh yeah. I played, I played that one. Yeah. And Mobius, which I kind of meant to play more of and never did, but that game actually felt like the most gamey. It felt like the most of an actual kind of RPG. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Um, this Fire Emblem one's probably gonna be alright. It looks kind of cool. It does, yeah. it looks pretty cool, and I'll, as I said, I will happily give it a go. Yeah, uh, that was kind of all they announced this Fire Emblem event. Um, although I did actually just realise that I put a note in our Google Drive document that I then completely ignored when talking about the Switch stuff, which was they pulled uh, Suda51 out on screen, like on stage, Suda51 came out, and his translator really struggled to keep up with him. Um, but from what did get translated, it sounds like he's making a new No More Heroes game for the Switch. Yes. Which he also said nope. that he hasn't started development yet. <laughs> he hasn't thought of a name yet. He was just like, I don't know. Nintendo said they give me money to make a game, so I'm making No More Heroes. It's like, yeah, alright, fine. Um, like, uh, okay. I like cool. no, I'll play another No More Heroes. I like those games. They're pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did enjoy them. Yeah, it was a good game. Um, I think that's all the news that I've 
got, it seems like everyone else kind of moved any announcements they might have had kind of out of the way of the Switch stuff. Yeah, kind of like game news on hold because Nintendo had a big week. It's like, yo, Nintendo's doing stuff. There was a couple of other things like uh, Gabe Newell from Valve did an Ask Me Anything on Reddit and a bunch of stuff that came out was just him saying, yeah, we still make games. Why would you think we're not making games? We make games. Do you like Dota? (laughs) We're making Dota. Dota's a game. It's like, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, it's the funniest. Sorry. The funniest thing that came out of that for me that I've seen is uh, a lot of people are posting around the internet that he actually Gabe is actually worth more than Trump. That's not a. That's true. That's an actual thing. That, no, I know it's yeah. true. That's. that's that was Yeah, that wasn't from this. That was. Um, oh, I forget the whoever does the like the most you know the richest people. Oh right, the, uh, Forbes. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually thought that was from that because it you know surfaced around about the no, same time. Yeah, it was. It was around the same time. I think that might be why he was doing that to me. I think I think it was the other way around. Um, ah, okay. That but yeah, he is. Worth, he's worth more money than Trump because yeah. unlike Trump, he owns a successful business. Yeah. Um, well, I guess now Trump owns the USA, so that's kind of a successful business. Yeah, you'll run that into the ground very, <laughs> very, very shortly, unfortunately. Yeah, debatable. I'm, I'm still under the impression that he's a puppet. Yeah. He's a puppet with no, the no, large No, 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 Paul. He's... No, no, Paul, he's a muppet. <laughs> Let's not yes, get into someone, politics, with guys. Someone's hand arse control. <laughs> Let's not get into <laughs> politics. Come on. Come on. Oh, excellent. Um, uh, cool. Yeah. New releases... There's nothing worth mentioning. What? No, very what? No, the re- Honestly, uh, so coming out weekending the 27th of January, there is nothing really worth mentioning. Um, there seems to be a whole load of stuff that we already have. So Abzu is slated for the PS4, but that's already out. Um, Outlock Festival of Magic, that's already out. Yeah. Industry Giant 2, the HD remake, that's already out. Uh, the only one I can see is Tales of Basiria from uh, Namco Bandai for PC and PS4. I don't think that's out yet. What? Yep. Maybe Evil 7 comes out next week. It's not on the list. That comes out on the... Oh, I beg your pardon, that comes out on the 24th. Told you. Resident Evil 7 and Yakuza 0. Uh, Yeah, and uh, Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8. Which I actually really want. I still don't know what that actually is. is Who cares? It's it's more Kingdom Hearts. I'll take it. I care because... It's it's the birth by sleep stuff. I didn't have a PS3, therefore I need to play this stuff. No, that's the opposite. This is... This is the Vita, uh, the oh, PSP stuff. PSP and Vita stuff. I, I didn't play any of that. Either. I don't think it has Birth by Sleep in it. I'm pretty sure Birth by Sleep nope. was in 2.5 remix. I. It I, was. This has got. A, this has Dream Drop Distance HD. Yep. Oh, right. The 3DS game, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it has Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep: A Fragmentary Passage. Which is an insane name. Um, but it's just a video, is it not? Is I think so. 
No, no, no. This one's the game. It's a new short episode taking place after the events of the original Birth by Sleep. Told from the perspective of Aqua. I assume that was one of the characters of Birth by Sleep. I didn't play that Yes, one. it was. Uh, it ties into Kingdom Hearts 3 and uses technology from 3. So it's going to be kind of Kingdom Hearts 3-ish. Right. It's um, immediately Aqua after Kingdom Hearts Distance. Which, that's Aqua's weird. Blue-haired. Lassie, that's uh, the one of the original key blade okay. wielders. Yeah, Birth by Sleep was a prequel, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Because this is so a set after. Distance. No, Dream Drop Distance was Sora and. Oh, Sora's, is it? Okay. Sora's friend. Yeah. yeah. Timeline's so messed up. I've watched YouTube videos trying to understand it. I'm Sora's just like, friend. what? Uh, uh, Riku. Uh, Riku. Riku, okay. I wanted to say Roxas, but that's nobody. That's Sora. Sora's nobody. That's Sora. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because this says that this... It says, Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep Fragmented Passage is a new short episode taking place after the events of the original Birth by Sleep. It is set immediately after Dream Drop Distance. It's like, yeah, that's like a long time after the events of Birth by Sleep then. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's weird. Well, whatever. I mean, anyway, that's a new short Kingdom Hearts. I don't think anything. This seems like a really like the weirdest of these re-releases. Yeah. Because the other ones had like a full game because they had Kingdom Hearts one or two, but then they also had one of the mobile games. So they had Birth by Sleep, or they had uh, that card game, the Game Boy Advance one. Yeah. Uh, I forget the name of it. Chain of Memories. Yeah, then they had the, one of them had three, six, eight, two days, but it was just the videos just or something video, like that yeah. one. And uh, I'm pretty sure the second one had something similar for a different game. I think it had the mobile game. I think it had like that told as a cutscene thing. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, this one has Dream Drop Distance, which is, I guess, a relatively full game. This Birth by Sleep thing that seems like it is a demo, basically. And then Kingdom Hearts X back cover, which told through HD cinematics, tells a new tale of the Foretellers. I don't think I've ever heard the term Foretellers before in Kingdom Hearts. I need to play Kingdom Hearts again. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It'll be approximately one hour in length, so it's an animated movie. Fair enough. Oh, Kevin Quinn provides the English voice of Master Gula. You know, Master Gula. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I don't, there's probably Kingdom Hearts fans listening to this be like, how do you not know who Master Gula is? What the fuck? Yeah, it's my favourite of all the foods, Goulash. Yeah. What? Paul, the one I... you actually want is yes, in March. 2.5. In March, Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5 is coming out for PS4. Yeah, yeah. that's the one I want. I, one I, want. I wouldn't mind picking that up. Yeah, I might actually pick that up. Uh, I, apart from the fact that Mass Effect and the Switch comes out that month, so fuck those. Oh um, God! But uh, I'll buy I Mass Effect. I can't believe they it. didn't call it Kingdom Hearts HD Four. They should have just called it Kingdom Hearts HD Four. One point five and two point five. Yeah. Just make it really confusing. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. Things. Let's well, I, th- I think that's it. Is uh, 
No, yeah, I think that is. So if you have anything to add, uh, if we've got something wrong or you agree or disagree with us, you can send us an email. You can send us an email to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. Hey, I got it right this week. Yay. Yay. Uh, um, but uh, if they want to get a hold of us on Twitter, Paul, how can they do that? You can do that at glitchfreegame. Cool, and they can also find us on Facebook just for searching for Glitch Free Gaming. And also, don't forget, go to the website as well. Um, and YouTube. And YouTube, yes. Yeah, we need to put some more YouTube content up. Yeah, we, I have we tend to try and do more video stuff. Soon. Yeah, yeah, same. So, but uh, Cool, have you got anything else to add? Gravity uh, 2 comes out in 20 minutes. Oh, that's why you just kill wasting time. <laughs> yeah, that's why I talked for like an hour about the switch. <laughs> Fuck you guys! I just needed to kill time till gravity rush came out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the reason Karen wabbits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of us have got work in the morning. You bastard. The past like four yeah. years has actually just been me killing time till gravity rush two came out. Ah, uh, right. Well, Thanks. uh. <laughs> in that case uh, I think uh, we will um, go and just let Kieran stew for 15 minutes so until then we will see you next week then bye bye